What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to the first ever live broadcast of Final Podcast. This is Final Fan TV. So we have a very special guest party member tonight. He is responsible for the extremely detailed Final Fantasy VII lore and story breakdown YouTube series titled The Structure of Five, as well as his most recent video, Aerith Dies in Remake, detailing the material Ultimania and the implications of its contents. The very informative and entertaining Final Fantasy VII lore master, Sleep Easy. What's up, man? Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, going good so far. Thanks for having me. That's quite, you are so killer on the inter introductions for everybody. <laughs> is, you are on point with that. I appreciate Thanks that, man. Thank me. you very much. <laughs> I'm just excited to talk to you, man. This is, this is, I'm actually genuinely excited to talk to you because, um, like I was telling you in the pre-show, uh, I, I had just kind of recently discovered your videos uh, back when you posted hmm. the Material Ultimania breakdown. And yeah, like I was hooked from the very opening of the of the video. It was super entertaining. It was very, very informative. And uh, like, man, from the moment that happened, I think Mo, I, I commented on it or posted about it and said, this is amazing. And Mo was like, you should have him on the show, wink, wink. And I was like, dude, I, I'm already in the planning stages. <laughs> so so I sent you up, up. Mo. I appreciate yeah. <laughs> that. Well, I'm, I'm very, again, very excited to be here. And I, as soon as like I, I came across you, I was thinking to myself, man, it'd be really great to just sit down with these guys and just, you know, have a chat. So the feeling is mutual. Like as soon as you messaged me about it, I was like, of course, I've been waiting for this, like over here. It was just biding my time. Uh, I was trying to get through with the video actually, because I know that we had briefly uh, discuss some stuff in the past like not in detail but like you hit me up and I was like off of a planet which is usually how I am when I'm making these videos so when yes. you messaged me I was like oh like absolutely 100% I'm so glad that this video is done and I can just sit down with you guys so yeah awesome man yeah that was uh I messaged you about the Final Fantasy 7 special that's uh, right that we were doing yeah um yeah so whoop, whoa watch out now we got an earthquake no, I'm just, <laughs> it was just me shaking the desk there uh, <laughs> uh yeah no um let me introduce myself i am daniel hofflich i am your party leader for final fan tv uh the limit breaker uh Vinny mcgovern is away from uh the computer right now uh but he will be joining us in just a little while um but yeah so that will be our fff our FFTV party members tonight. We may even have the arrival of Reed Daniels a little bit later, but he, he was really he was really excited to talk to you as well. So I'm sure he won't miss this. Uh, he'll be in here soon. Uh, let's get on to the questions. Uh, sleep easy, or should I call you by your real name, or do we just want to leave that anonymous? Owen is fine. Sleep easy is fine, <laughs> and anything you want to call me, I will I will respond to it. Lore master. That's, right. <laughs> That's the preferred title, of course, of course. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to say, and I, uh, I just want to, I just want to give you a lot, some more praise. Um, okay. You covered pretty much everything in Final Fantasy VII's universe, and mm. I mean no stone unturned, as they say. Uh, you make so many excellent and, quite frankly, eye-opening points that I was, I was just hooked. Um, and it was it was only after three or four hours of watching it 
and I'm like, oh crap, I got to get to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it was it was fantastic, phenomenal job. Uh, your your first video series, which was the uh, the structure of five, and that was just it was so informative. You you apply context to every um, idea, every theory that you come up with, and that was it, it was just. A joy to listen to. Um, unfortunately, I will say that I've only gotten through three out of the five videos. Um, mm. So the better, the better of the series. So don't even worry about it. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. You started talking about Genesis, so I, I did kind of get. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> That's where people start to turn the, the attention off, and I totally understand that. We can talk about that too later. But yeah. <laughs> well, here's here's a. I do want to throw this out there before we really get started. Um, for my own personal uh, thoughts on this, mm. uh, I will say that this is weird for me as a Final Fantasy VII fan. Um, and I consider myself, you know, just up there as the hardcore of hardcore Final Fantasy VII fans. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is my game. This is this is this means a lot to me. Uh, and we mm. did a, dedicated an entire, you know, episode to that, like a two hour special um, of how much it means. But that was the original the original final fantasy seven um so it's so weird for me to be in this position where i'm kind of ignorant to the the compilation i mean of course i've played them i enjoyed them uh you know for what they were like it was just it was just fun good fun uh the movie was cool when you know sephiroth fought cloud again i just go back to watch that you know what i mean that's what i want yeah <laughs> same by the way uh, back in the day same same concept just the sephiroth fight was my thing too so that was it right yeah and yeah. so i never i never really dug into the lore uh or dug into the compilation lore i should say because i mean when it came to the original i was all about it like i i could know that thing in the back of my hand i like i was at school they would call me the living strategy guide i was you know people you know, <laughs> i was good you know um but yeah so now i'm i'm kind of ignorant on it uh when crisis core came around i was um uh not really thrilled with genesis um mm. and like angeal and these new characters i'm like eh, they weren't really meant they weren't meant <laughs> what is yeah. this um so to get it to circle back to where the questions will begin <laughs> um so to circle back to it like with you mo uh that's mj gallagher uh mm -hmm. and and baby seal like you yes. guys have collaboratively oh my god that was a big word it came out of my mouth so weird <laughs> uh, you have worked on uh getting me back into like i gotta get into the compilation i want to i'm i'm excited about it now um, and I, I have to thank you for that. Like you guys, um, have gotten me excited about something that I really didn't think pay no mind to. I was like, this doesn't affect my original game. I don't, but now it has, you know what I mean? With remake, it, it really has, um, kind of seeped into my original experience. So now mm. I'm like, I have to care. Um, so you guys have done such an, a fantastic job of detailing this information of the compilation, uh, making it entertaining, making it, uh, informative. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, I've learned a lot from you guys. So thank you. Of um, course. Glad to, yes. glad to help with the compilation stuff. I really <laughs> enjoy it myself. So anytime I hear that, I'm just like, yes, understand yeah, right. the most important stuff, you know, for people because you're comparing literally what people regard as the best game of all time uh, to a, a series of either games, movies, et cetera, like that don't match up 
to just like that level of of love for anybody. Like I understand people love Crisis Core. There are people who love Dirge of Cerberus. We're a small minority of people. Uh, I love every time reasons. you mention Dirge of Cerberus in your videos. Yes, a, I'm serious. <laughs> there's a li- literal like guilty pleasure that I have. It is like I do love that game for a lot of reasons. I also hate the game for a lot of reasons, but uh, understandably and objectively, it's probably like the weakest of of uh of the compilation but yes Mm -hmm. uh and also i because of that reason i think it kind of gets disregarded in a lot of situations which is fine again it's like you shouldn't put like a a lore dump of things into a game that you know just doesn't (laughs) people don't like to play (laughs) right yeah it is it is it is wild to think that dirge has so much packed into it that mm. you need to play it but man it's just woo. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like who does <laughs> who wants to go go and do that again which is also kind of the point of the videos is that like what you mentioned is you and uh many other people like didn't experience the games in this way or it affected you know the way that you perceive the og or it ruined for some people it just ruins final fantasy 7 for them to even like mm. look at any of that other stuff. And I think that's totally understandable for the most part, because again, comparing it to what Final Fantasy VII is and what that represents for so many people, it, it's a slog. Like it's a slog to sit down and like have to read like 15 different like Ultimanias and books. And <laughs> it's a slog to have to go play a game that you don't want to play. So like a part of me was like, who's going to really want to do this? And I was like, I kind of do. So why not <laughs> do it you know so it it, part of it is so that you guys or whoever is watching the video doesn't have to go you know subject themselves to something like that and just get the pieces that they that they need to know in my mind uh in a video form so yeah taking the bullet (laughs) essentially after um yeah after like starting this podcast before before starting this podcast you know final fantasy 7 was my favorite still is my favorite but after starting this podcast and like doing more research and listening to the people talk about like all the deep door, uh, deep dive lores that they've done and everything, it going back and playing like Final Fantasy one and two, like I appreciate those a lot more for their simplicity now because like everything in Final Fantasy one is in Final Fantasy one, and like you know it's just uh it's e- it's easier to follow along with. Um, I just I like I appreciate its simplicity like you know just recently I did a playthrough of Final Fantasy 1 where I did uh one solo white mage the whole throughout the whole game and and it was uh like one person asked me how I did it and I was like a lot of giant gloves just have to keep using giant glove over and over again break the game those little ways and then like I used to watch lore videos of um the Dark Souls series and uh, Vati, right? Yep. I used to watch Lobos, Vati. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to uh, Bonfire Side Chat with um, those those two guys that do that podcast. And the thing about those lore videos and, and a lot of lore videos is they usually bring about more questions than they actually answer. And yeah. that's like super uh, true with um, Final Fantasy VII and the Dark Souls series because all of their all of their story is done through environmental storytelling so it's really left up to you to decide like this item was found here on this person's corpse in this area and you're like 
oh man, is this area this place? And you're like, no, okay. Like the, just the, the connections that people make. Um, and I just, it, it makes me think like the game developers were like, let's just not have any story really. And just <laughs> let the people come up with their own things. And we'll just be like, we'll never tell, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I do. I do, And it's funny that you bring up because I, at, a lot of people ask me like what my favorite game is and for that very reason uh that you described uh bloodborne is one of my favorite games of all time simply because well and that game also forces you unlike dark souls or like there are events that happen in dark souls where you're like well that's weird like why is that there Mm -hmm. but then like if you skip a cutscene like halfway through bloodborne there's just all of a sudden the the environment that you've been wandering through is completely changing you're like well that kind of causes me as the player to be like what the hell is going on here you know so it it does it's the intrigue that those games build and i think that there's actually some of that in remake as you sort of were alluding to with seven uh for me that is why i enjoyed looking into all of this stuff is is that there are like a lot of like smaller details that like i even accidentally came came across i'm just like the fact that anybody thinks about these things at all makes me appreciate it even more and that's why i like watching vati's videos is that like so many interesting connections made just through like these small just details it's so it's so awesome did you did you see Vati's video? I think it was Vati's where he talks about how Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne are actually could possibly be connected. Through... No, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so in a nutshell, um, Aldrich, Aldrich foresaw the, uh, the age of, of, of the deep and mm-hmm. his, his uh, boss arena was filled with water. And uh, he, he said that he, uh, it said that Aldrich foresaw the age of the deep as what bloodborne's um story actually is like bloodborne is actually thousands of years after the age of fire has ended and and everything and it's like the age of man all over again or what i'd have to watch the video again. The cycle, he... are you saying that the cycle repeats because that oh my is gosh. uh let me t- <laughs> wait a second wait, wait a second i've heard this before um so one of the questions i have for you sleep easy uh is actually as as you know as as george lucas has said about star wars you know it rhymes um Mm -hmm. and and history is bound to repeat itself so one of the coolest things uh about from your videos is you mention this uh you talk about how uh even down to minute details like the eight pillars from the cetra and then the eight mako reactors from shinra um there's there's so much that's repeating and so much uh like the contrast of light and dark and how um these there's characters that even share the same uh archetypes that and they just repeat themselves throughout the history of final fantasy 7 um and that is it just blew my mind it was it's really cool um so would you care to like kind of elaborate on that a little bit yeah so this the cycles of that it was so i want to just be clear like right off the bat is that a lot of the things that i do come to the conclusion of in in any of the videos that i've made were not something i was like wasn't something that was like directly looking for it was just like oh here's a pattern and like let me test this and see if it applies to like 
either the rest of the game. And then if it goes through that checklist, usually, you know, either right or wrong, uh, then I'll move on to the compilation or something like that and see if it holds up there. So the thought of cycles starts started with Advent Children. And there's a dialogue between Kadaj and Rufus where it's like these kind of meeting of minds and like the movie just takes time. This is, I think, in more more or less the the complete version of Advent Children and the the regular release. I think there's a little bit more time spent in comp- uh, complete with their dialogue. Um, but it was just a moment that like, I guess they decided to give us where it's like a meeting of these two sides kind of having this conversation about like why things even happen the way that they do. And like, why does, why is like Genova doing this? Why is this happening to the planet? Why do these things seem to like continuously happen? And one of the things that they describe is like Genova shows up uh, and because she wanted to destroy the planet or consume the planet or whatever her goal was that was sort of thwarted and nothing changed and that's sort of why i exist that's what kadaj sort of goes into it's like i exist to like change things for her that's what will make her happy and then rufus just kind of nonchalantly drops like this concept of well if like that's the thing that is like the nature of life itself then things will just keep on repeating and I was like, that's sort of weird and out of nowhere to, to suggest that these things continuously are happening. So he's like, if like Sephiroth or any form of Genova shows up, like you guys will continuously be defeated. So I was like, all right, so this is the first instance of like history be- repeating itself, which sort of played to me into this idea of destiny. So that was like the, the first initial kickoff. And then like, this is sort of hinted at in OG where like Bugenhagen has this sort of concept of fixed a fixed destiny, which is elaborated on more in like compilation. But in the OG, he is sort of describing how the if it's the planet's will, then it doesn't really matter what people want to do. Like this is something that like he talks about with uh with Red Thirteen like all the time is is that it's like look like even though you want to change things, that might not eventually that might not work out because the planet might not want that to happen and then he kind of changes his mind after red sees his father um and he's like maybe you should just go ahead and try but in the compilation he's like these things are kind of fixed events so i was like okay so that's inside of og a little bit as well but then uh just this this concept just starts getting blown up when well i guess it kind of came to a head when looking at like the calendar for final fantasy 7 which is that the calendar sort of operates on this cycle of 2000 years where once it hits 2000 years, the calendar goes back to zero and things just kind of, you know, start back up again. And I was like, it's such a weird idea because there's, it's never really explained why this is. Um, But then uh, because a lot of people attribute the, the, the new age, which is where, Final Fantasy VII takes place and a little bit of the history of Final Fantasy VII lore takes place is like from zero to seven, the year seven and one, I think. Um, So it was like, okay, so the story kind of starts off, kicks off around the start of a new cycle of this new calendar. Uh, And the reason for this marked in, I guess, uh, the the lore is that people were thinking it was because the Wu-Tai War had ended is what was the significant change. 
And I was like, that doesn't seem like a good enough reason for this entire like structure of the calendar to be placed on just like when a war ends or an event. So, so I guess uh, minor in the grander scheme of things. Uh, but we do know something that did start 2000 years ago because it's talked about literally all the time is Genova's showing up. And I was like, okay, so that seems significant. And then it's also this idea of like her life, death, and like rebirth sort of takes place in that calendar cycle pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so uh, the cycle might be more attached to destiny than I had previously thought at that point. Whereas that, okay, maybe Genovis has a significance in this cycle and this battle of like coming back isn't as just vague as Rufus kind of mentions it in Advent Children. Um, so there are a couple other things that link itself to this cycle. There's a mention of it in Dirge of Cerberus, where like one of the characters, like just very offhandedly is like, hey, like the, the planet it operates on a cycle like a circle. And because it's a circle, like we'll see, like they're talking about like their dead like mom or something like that. Uh, it's like, we'll see our mom again someday because things just repeat themselves eventually. And I'm just like, so it's it's all there. It's just not very specific in my mind. So that's sort of the importance of of these things is it is connected to Genova. It's connected to the planet. And I guess the importance of that too is that the live stream has a cycle as well as Genova sort of being incorporated into that. So none of this is seemingly happening for no reason, I guess, is is sort of the idea. And that starts to become way more of a conversation starter when we talk about like remake, which is where people really <laughs> like, and for lack of a better word, we're very upset <laughs> about mm -hmm. like the inclusion of like whispers and stuff like that, which also I tried to explain in my video series is like why that conversation is being kind of just brought out of nowhere, where it's like, it's not as out of nowhere looking at a lot of these other elements. Sorry for tangenting, but no, absolutely not. You're, well said. Uh, I think if I wanted to like piggyback off of that, um, when you brought up the whispers, I really believe that, and I'm I'm one of the 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 people that had really big issue with these things. Um, and I think the it's the way that it was presented. And um, mm -hmm. if I'm if I to like speak for the people who, who, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to speak for the people here. Um, Do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if for like people who are upset with the reaper, uh, with the reapers, the, um, the whispers, I think what the whole thing is, is that it's the way it was marketed. I believe. Mm -hmm. I really believe that's the thing. Uh, I completely whereas, agree. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, this is the remake you were promised and it, mm -hmm. it almost felt like, a slap in the face you know what mm. i mean like it almost felt like like hey we're giving you the remake we're even going to call it remake but here's the you know it's a double it's a double entendre i know that you know what i mean we all know that but it's like you know this is what this is what people wanted people wanted the remake and then it was almost like hey you want this to happen right Psh, mm. no it's not you know, <laughs> and you know i, I mean? totally I totally agree with you on that. And I actually, so what I usually spend my time doing after a video is answering the comments in the video section. And there are a ton of people who are very like, oh my God, like you've done it again. Like this, this, and this makes sense. And then, but you get people in there 
and I've also, and NSP is also somebody who agrees with the opinion that you, you have on it as well, is that they're just like, look, man, like I get it. Like I see like all of these details, but really what I wanted at the end of the day was the game that I loved to be remade and not Mm -hmm. fucked with again, for lack of a better word. And I totally agree with that. Like, and, and for me, I started off with Final Fantasy VII and remake in like just this whole binging of like research without really knowing how I felt about Final Fantasy VII remake. If I hadn't come to any sort of conclusion, but the thing that I did know is, is that, that the side that you're speaking for is completely justified in being in being yeah. mad about this because I would be mad if I had put you know, if I had known that this was going to be a thing, this is like legendary remake was now not the legendary remake. Yes. Like I totally understand that. So anytime, any, anytime that's ever brought up with me in a conversation about it is, is that all I can say is like, I'm so sorry that this happened <laughs> to you guys. Like it's, it's like, really um, not as fair as people make it out. And it's not as black and white yeah. either. Like you, it's a totally justified side of the argument in my mind. So yeah, and I mean, like, I I would go I would go as far as to say, like, it's they're they're not actually bad. Like, I love I love watching your video series because your your video series is almost it really justifies their purpose, right? Um, and then it, and it makes it exciting. You know what I mean? Like the 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 things that you back it up with, like here here's why the the whispers are are there. Um, it's exciting. The story mm. is continuing. It's exciting. Um. But I think what it is, is the, uh, the illusion that we were going to be given a remake. So mm. I think if it was marketed as like, hey, this, well, obviously you can't really do it because, I mean, you're going back to the time of Final Fantasy VII. But if it was like open and honest about it, like, so if they, if they were, if they would say like, hey, we're going back to the time, it may, it's probably not going to be what you remember or something like that. But I feel like when people were promised one thing and then the whispers come in and, and really literally be a meta thing about, you know, you know, <laughs> this is what yeah. you want, but you know, you're trying to make it stay the same, but you're not going to get it. I get I will- what they did. It was, it was very ballsy. And it was like, uh, as um, I believe Maverick said mm. uh, in the, in the chat, it was very ballsy. Um, and I think that's almost like what they were trying to do. They were going to go for this, this huge twist and they're like they're as they're developing it they're probably like oh my god we're totally going to like this is going to be the biggest twist in gaming nobody's going to see it coming and then and you know it backfired for some and and it it totally hit the nail for others um but yeah so i feel like there's two sides of the coin here where you know some people love what they're doing with it it's completely unexpected now and then some people are just on the side of things where they just really wanted their remake um to be you know just a, a modern remake of their favorite game of all time and that's where the bitterness comes from like you're never going to get that like that's never well, going to happen well and, and sorry yeah. just to, to really quickly because i think that this is where from my perspective now so like i again going into this totally not really wanting to be swayed either way that was my intention of going in is because i had heard a lot of people uh talking well this is amazing or this is like this doesn't make any sense and i had just finished it and i was sitting there thinking about it i was like i'm not really sure about it either 
I don't know how any of this actually makes any sense yet. Um, and that was the thing is that nobody could give me a proper answer to any of the details as to why things were. There's like this meta of the ghosts, all these like outstanding questions, like is time just being like changed completely? Like Zach lives, like so many like very controversial elements all being stuck in very quickly uh, at one time, which again, from my perspective, it's like, this is supposed to feel jarring, but there has to be some sense to this. So after like, just to not to like skip like a hundred chapters here, but one of the things that I kind of arrive on at the end of structure of five and kind of the reason I stopped numbering the series, uh, I would say that like the, the most recent video is definitely like supposed to like stand on the head of like the structure of five. But the reason why I stopped numbering them or including them in that same series is because I had kind of said everything that I needed to say about it because I actually do think that they are going to be relatively fateful to mm. the original. And that's just because of a lot of the structure that is put into place uh, in Remake and just with certain elements that I've sort of talked about in my videos where it doesn't seem like they want to go off course necessarily, but it really, because it's, it's very intentional, all the things that they did at the end but at the same time, I feel like what they would prefer to do rather than making a one for one, and this is just my, uh, my thinking on it now. So like, you know, take this with a grain of salt, anybody who's taking this as like maybe a fact, uh, we won't know until it's out. Uh, but I think they're trying to expand on the, the central conversations brought up in OG rather than just retelling those stories you know what I mean? It's like we all have like these very like un a, a pretty clear understanding of like how the story of OG works, what the central themes are, all this other stuff. So to make a remake and not expand on that conversation would be a little stagnant in my mind. If you could instead make those topics bigger and get into more of a discussion about like probably like a perceived like uh like life and death we talk we talk about that a little bit um yes. pre-show yeah. as being like a central theme of of the game why not expand those themes to cover a bigger range of emotion or a bigger range of of topics and ideas there's this and this is actually my favorite one is is that remake does this really good job of talking about like uh togetherness which is something that my part six i will refer for it to for now the Aerith dies video is what i bring up is that there's the central theme of power coming together people wanting to protect themselves in the power of friendship and that's what's going to ultimately complete uh the task of destiny or whatever it is that they're trying to set out to do like they're going to free themselves where mm -hmm. this is a concept that's kind of hinted at as like an overall theme of the compilation and all this other stuff but the idea is to not use that as like, that's just the beginning and end of a conversation. It's actually the conversation that should extend throughout the entire remake series and have that be something that you expand upon in future installments. Um, so all I see, I'm sorry that this is all over the place, but the, the point that I'm trying to arrive here to at it's that uh these ideas are all just going to play back into the things that people already love about final fantasy 7 um rather than trying to take away something that people really like i actually 
really enjoy the idea of destiny being a conversation starter for making things more interesting for OG's already brought up topics, so -hmm. to speak. So I guess at the end of the day, it's more about just, again, making a game that's super iconic, more iconic, more, more like central to like getting people to focus on why people love this game so much is because the topics that they bring up are so deep and very like emotional too. Like the game has like a running theme of like emotion in remake two. And I think that that all carries on in the game. Uh, I'm trying to think of there's, and I think I bring this up very, I'm sorry to tangent again, but there's this thing that's happening in remake where uh, the very first line that Sephiroth says to to Cloud is to hold on to hatred, Mm -hmm. right? And we know that that's a, a pretty particular thing that happens in Advent Children. He uses those emotions against Cloud to sort of like get him to be weak so that he can kind of just make him more of a puppet. Yeah. Um, so he's telling Cloud to hold on to that hatred at the beginning of Remake. Barrett uses that same advice to Tifa in Remake, is that when the plate falls, Barrett's like, sees that Tifa's like really upset. And he says, look, like hold on to the hatred and use it against, um, use it against Shinra. And I think that that's the worst advice that he could have probably gave her is, is that these, because Barrett hasn't handled any of the things that have happened to him and he's holding on to the same hatred about, you know, from, I think we all know the backstory of Barrett, but that's all stuff he hasn't dealt with. And now he's telling her how she should deal with it. And Sephiroth, the villain of the story is using the same way and method to try and convince Cloud. So my point is, is that these are all things brought up in Remake that will probably be elaborated on later is that these negative feelings, emotions, and things like that are all set up to be more elaborated on. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you, you, you touched on the, you know, like the, the themes of Final Fantasy VII. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and jump, bring that up now. Um, yeah, people, it's a, it's a hotly debated topic um, mm. with with a lot of people who are concerned uh that final fantasy 7 is kind of losing its way i've seen this in comments a lot um and i'd be curious to and of course um your video uh the Aerith dies and remake video is such a um i just encourage anybody who thinks this to go watch that video because how you break it down and how you explain it it would ultimately lead to a, a satisfying, like it would not obviously not satisfying to watch one of your favorite characters die, but, you, <laughs> but they need to, right? Like it right. needs to happen. Um, so yeah, like I feel like this is ultimately going to, you know, it's going to fulfill uh, what Final Fantasy VII is all about. Like life and death um, to, to many people, these are the core themes of Final Fantasy VII. And most importantly, the significance of death and um you know its impact on people um and i think that people get a little worried because with the expansions of final fantasy 7 you have i mean i i couldn't tell you i'm trying to think maybe uh maybe don corneo still dies i i don't like who who's uh who's actually dead you know uh like rufus is still alive in advent children uh zach mm-hmm. lives at the end of remake um Aerith, will she die who knows sephiroth is living on in the live stream um biggs is alive at the end of remake jesse is maybe 
alive wedge mm-hmm. too who knows um so i think where people are kind of getting a little worried is you know is final fantasy 7 losing its way with this uh like with the alternate universes or alternate timelines and things like that um i'd be curious to hear like your thoughts on that now obviously i highly recommend everyone go check out the uh Aerith dies uh material ultimania breakdown that sleep easy does um but yeah so what are your thoughts on that um hmm. um so I think, again, and this is something I really, really, really try and like stress in the, this particular video, because I think we kind of look at this game in a vacuum because we weren't really expecting, like, even when the game was announced, we were kind of like, oh, my God, we're just going to get all of it, right? We're going to get the beginning and end of the story. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be five discs, and it's going to be perfect just the way that it is. Um, whereas once it came out that these were going to be segmented parts, there was a part of my brain and this is again without having like the knowledge of you know what was going to happen or compilation lore like stuck in my brain at this point is i was like okay well then what's probably going to end up happening is you're going to get these individual arcs for each game you're going to get the midgar section of the game and that arc but overall and then you're going to have part two with whatever arc it has but there has to be this overall theme an arc that runs through each game consistently. So one game has to set up the arc for the either the rising action of a story, which is sort of like people, how they describe a good story is, is that you kind of have this rising action, falling action, and then some sort of resolution to the story. So that's the way I see remake part one is, is that this is the, the beginning of the journey and that the real the real downslope. So the downslope in that game is probably uh, plate fall, and then you know their rise to like challenge destiny. Right? Is is that you, there's a question of destiny. Now we need to like face this thing, and then you have a quote unquote like resolution of that story. Um, but there needs to be a carryover into the next game, and they kind of set it up to be a little bit more ambiguous. But for me, I think that it's just all of the things needed to be introduced in this one game properly. I think you made you made a, a Star Wars connection. And yeah. I think about Star Wars a lot when I think about this particular trilogy or whatever this is going to be, um, is that when Force Awakens came out, and I don't know how anybody feels about this new Star Wars lineup, but I'm just going to go ahead and express I'll my be, thoughts on it. I'll be very happy to tell you okay i love talking about star wars so okay perfect (laughs) let's dive in (laughs) let's dive into star wars welcome to star wars tv podcast (laughs) um the the idea here is that they started the trilogy off having absolutely no idea what they were going to do um they had a lot of setup for something but the thing that made it suffer eventually in my mind is is that they relied on a structure of something that had come before it and then they didn't stick to that structure. So instead of having this consistency through each movie, like you each part of the new trilogy is like a complete like disconnect. It's not, it doesn't flow into one another very, very well because you have a bunch of different people with a bunch of different ideas trying to do something different with Star Wars and it's not a complete idea. With Remake, it's doing the the same thing that like Force Awakens is doing, where it's introducing a lot of concepts that we are already very familiar with, 
and injecting some new ideas, which you can think of maybe as like the new characters, right? Um, as like a one for one. But it's about being now consistent with those ideas and themes going forward. So the thing about Remake that I love so much is, is that it actually does a really, really good job of putting each piece to be resolved later. And I'm not talking about at the end of part one. I'm talking about at the end of like whatever this is going to be, this overall story. So like a big question that comes up for me a lot of the time when I get asked like this is, is that, well, why is Destiny still a conversation? We just defeated this large harbinger that's supposed to be the manifestation of destiny. Um, the, the point that I bring up in my videos is that it's not about destroying destiny per se, it's about targeting corruption in the live stream, which is sort of an illusion without getting too in, ahead of myself, is an illusion to things brought up in the compilation that Sephiroth is contaminating the live stream. So the goal of this game was to free the whispers or destiny from Sephiroth's control specifically, not to destroy the overall concept of it. And this is sort of alluded again, and this is why I did this video, this most recent video, is because after the Harbinger's defeat, we see the nebula at the end of the game. And the nebula in the Ultimania is described of by the developer, by Nomura, and also the art team as being Sephiroth's wing. And that wing specifically is the the conversation that comes up the most in the compilation you have genesis's wing you have angel's wing you have that conversation in the compilation all over the place so when we get to this part where sephiroth is like i want to become a part of this thing this hasn't happened yet this is all alluding to the bigger story and hollander's wing thank you gene um <laughs> the idea there is that that's even after the Harbinger's defeat, the developers are trying to say to the audience specifically that this conversation of destiny and where this is going has not resolved itself. So I would say that although it's very easy to look at Remake and think of it as this one contained thing, is, is that it is very, very, very far from being done, this, this entire thing. And the developers seem to have this very clear awareness of setting up a bigger conversation. So before we all jump onto the one bandwagon of like, this is either going to suck or it's going to be amazing. Uh, I think we need to see, because we now know that something new might happen, right? I would say sit tight for part two is all I would say. I wouldn't say people change their minds if they're like just not interested in the series anymore, but I would say I'm reserving judgment for myself having done some of the research for the compilation. So yeah, and I mean... I'll go back. I'll go back to your videos again. Uh -oh. Looks like hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> did I freeze? Uh, yeah, you yeah. did. You're all okay. good for that, and you froze. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Just we just didn't hear your. You started your response. I we didn't get to hear what you were saying about it though. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, I was saying that. Um, I love having your, uh, you're going back and watching your videos and I'm love having you on the show because of this reason. Um, if you go back and you watch your videos, you, you genuinely, or at least I'm, I'm speaking for myself here as, as someone who played the original, had these feelings or not played the, um, the remake and had these same exact feelings of like, oh man, what are you, you know, what are they doing? Um, 
and going back and watching your videos and talking to Mo, uh, seeing uh, Baby Seal and his his theories and stuff like that, and 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 breaking down the lore of it, it's really exciting. Like if people would just give oh, yeah. it a chance, you know, give this a chance. Um, if you're a a fan of Final Fantasy VII, um, I really do believe that you could get into this. Like you could be like, okay, this is actually you know, really, really cool stuff. And it's really intricate uh, of how they're doing it. Um, and it's almost like, it's almost like I'm watching Game of Thrones again, you know, like where you're, you're like, yeah. you're, think, you're thinking about the, the history and like, okay, well, this is going to, this is going to happen. You're theory crafting and everything's um, really cool again. You know, you're excited. I think it's just the, it's just that uncertainty that really gets people unsteady uh, where, mm -hmm. where you're just kind of like, do not mess this up. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, well, well now that's that's where it is. If they mess this up, then no one's yeah. going to trust them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> exactly. So. It, so you have like if you, you game like Game of Thrones uh, with the final season, you're just like don't mess it up. And and even mm. I'll refer to Star Wars in the same vein here. Uh, but I think where you draw the line between these two comparisons is that those are continuations of the story. Whereas Final Fantasy VII Remake is a unique scenario where it is a continuation of the compilation in my, like, I mean, it's, it's clearly a continuation of the compilation, but we're just kind of, we're just kind of going back to a period in time, which just so happens to be your favorite game of all time. And that that's when it's kind of like, Hey, this is sacred ground that you're, 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 you're stepping into yeah. right now. Whereas Star Wars, if I go back to that, uh, my, my, um, my opinions are much like yours, uh, where I, I absolutely, I mean, I absolutely love Force Awakens, if, if I can get that out there. Like, Force sure. Awakens yeah. was it's so a good. Movie. good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it's so good the way they build it up. Um, but again, that's Star Wars. We can get into Star Wars TV, Star Wars fan TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's kind of a continuation. So nothing was written. You know what I mean? Like, so if, if Ray can do a cool force power that, you know, like, Hey, that's, that's new. Um, but there's nothing written saying that it couldn't happen. You know, it's, it's, it's happening in the moment. Whereas final fantasy seven remake is kind of like, this has happened and you're going back and it's kind of like, please don't mess this mm -hmm. up. Don't Aerith needs to die and everything like this. And, and like things need to happen the way that you remember them. And it's uneasy. Like it makes people feel uneasy. Um, but to go back to your to the Star Wars thing, there is a question that I do want to uh, ask you because mm. I feel like Star Wars is such a, I mean, it's it, obviously it's a very influential, uh, you know, franchise. Mm. Here's my question for you, man, um, and this is what makes me super un, unsteady when we. <laughs> <laughs> you mean both if i know where you're going with this you, i think you do so like sephiroth kind of has this anakin like story going on where you get uh you know he's a hero of a previous war you know anakin the clone wars sephiroth wutai um and you know he and he he turns evil he wants to rule the galaxy um and all this stuff and the way that it's kind of leading up to and this is gets me a little nervous is Sephiroth going to have a redemption arc? Like, is he going to be redeemed at the end of this? And I feel like that is what, what, after watching your videos, I can sense it. Like, I can sense, okay, so he, you know, I, I mean, I've read on the, way to a, uh, on the Way to a Smile as well, where it's like he gets rid of all of his memories of being a, you know, a good person, basically. Um, but will he regain those somehow? Like, and then go, oh, wait a second, I'm, there's still good in me. 
you know, like Anakin or Kylo, which I really believe was a bad redemption. You know what I mean? Like, so you get like, so you get kind of that, that is it, ah, man, is he going to be redeemed at the end? And then mm. is he going to turn around and end up helping the party defeat the greater threat, which, you know, could be Minerva um, and things like that. Uh, maybe even, please God, no uh genesis <laughs> but, yeah exactly genesis every, being the, everybody everybody gets together to hate on genesis and that's that's what redeems Sephiroth. <laughs> that's what redeems like okay cool cool cool. that's where they can all agree on <laughs> this character was like, shit um so for me I, like sephiroth obviously i'm wearing the shirt right now you know what i mean um <laughs> like so sephiroth is one of the all-time greatest villains in video game you know like i think i think i don't think it's arguable i mean he's at least one of the greatest villains in video games of all time yeah yeah See, iconic it, at least iconic. at least and it's like please he doesn't need to be redeemed what do you think of that go ahead Vinny. i'm sorry real quick i was just gonna throw in like per like personally i probably need to catch heat for this like i love sephiroth but I feel like Seymour is actually one of the, uh, like one of the oh. best driven bad guys. Cause I feel like he's, it's like the same thing. Like, you know, there's a mother son relationship thing going on with, with, with them and everything. But like, I just, I feel like he has like similar to Sephiroth, but just like more pure hatred. Well, now, uh, now it, like now it, like i guess in the compilation i think sephiroth probably o- overtakes <laughs> at this point like <laughs> like watching sleep easy's like videos and stuff and you and you get like the sense of like at the same time as i sense that he's going to be redeemed i'm also seeing like oh my god he is probably at the most badass like most yeah epic super villain. evil level right yeah has been. um i i can't speak on 10 and this is something i caught heat for uh actually but i i don't i don't dis- disagree necessarily i think they kind of fill different roles but i also don't have as much of a familiar uh familiarity with uh 10 as i do seven and i will say just on the record that the only game i really know about final fantasy seven or final fantasy relator related is seven so anytime anybody brings up 10 or that i need to play 10 or like any other game, like you were mentioning gloves from Final Fantasy 1, and I was like, I have zero idea what you're talking about. But I was like, that sounds impressive. Like a, ma- a white mage run, I was like, all right. <laughs> but anything outside of like the realm of compilation or seven or anything like that, I have a very, very, very minor understanding of. Um, but I do know about Seymour. I think he definitely seems like an interesting villain but i would definitely want i I will say on the record also is that i really don't think that sephiroth is a redeemable character nor would so okay this gets brought up a lot is is that it's like in remake there's a lot of you know talks about how they wrote like in that end but there's a lot of things that i like about remake just on a character level like how well things are sort of set up delivered there's a lot of very well-written characters with some understanding of like exactly who these people are and a very like clear understanding of like what their purpose is in the story. It's like the developers get it, I feel like. I think they get Aerith. I think they get Tifa. I think they get Cloud. Uh, it would be a massive mistake in my mind to to think that they don't understand 
exactly what Sephiroth's role is in in like the story and how he needs if anything I want him to be dialed up um but I would say that there is room for something else not to like have him be redeemed but ever and we can segue into this because I think it's probably like um uh like a pretty good way to do so but I'll I'll let you handle that part uh is that for instance with like an idea of like a Sephiroth game is like I wouldn't want to be like, oh man, this guy's eventually going to become good. But what I would really like to see is maybe like, because Sephiroth's backstory is kind of awful. Like it's not a good situation for somebody to be in to like Mm -hmm. find out that you're just an experiment. I would like to relate to like the chaos going on in his life prior to him becoming just Mm -hmm. the worst person, the the strongest (laughs) villain imaginable in the series. I don't want him to be redeemed. I want him to fill the role of a villain better than he ever has for remake. Right. Um, I think that there's also a lot of evidence to just say that like he's so off the deep end with that. Like he's just gone way, way, way too far. Um, he's way less human than I think he has been in quite quite a bit of time. And I think that's the disconnect and the strength of his villainy in the story is, is that he's so removed from being a human at this point, there is some some difference at the edge of creation with him too. And I think that's where a lot of this redemption arc thing started. I think him being more self-aware is also totally fine. I just don't see him coming back. Uh, and whether or not he's the true villain of the story, I think he should have a part in that. I think the, the main conversation when we start talking about Minerva, and if anybody is not familiar with that, is... Minerva is like the will of the live stream personified. So when I when we bring up Minerva, all I say to somebody is, is that it's probably just best to look at it as like the will of the planet, which is the same thing that we were talking about with the cycle is, is that that's the, the impediment that's really coming in to like allow these things to stay the same. It's the same reason why in the original, Holy will just kill even human beings. Is like, that's a huge threat. Like we're making this known to the audience that even the goodest of good is also sort of working against people. It's already working against the party in the original and maybe making that more clear to the audience that these sort of structures aren't really for the benefit of anybody, but the planet or the benefit of Sephiroth, it has nothing to do with what the individual wants, which is kind of something. And again, not going too far into it, is why I think the colors are like yellow and purple in the video are so important is because it sort of pits this again, back to an arc for part one, is that it's showing Shinra in that same way. It's like, why do we need this structure? Like, why do we need to rely on this corporation to do like, to, to like do anything? Like this is ultimately hurting us. And the larger conversation may be playing into that same idea when it comes to the live stream is like, why do we need destiny to like oversee like how things are run? Like, can we do a better job? Um, So again, starting in a smaller conversation for part one and maybe having to work into that when maybe the the weapons are introduced or the concept of holy. So uh, I think it's Sephiroth being the villain. And also, yes, I would love to see like, the live stream be put more in a negative life light uh as maybe something that needs to be dealt with in a in that sort of realm is like that they're also working against the party 
Well, like Aerith overthrows Minerva. Type so, thing. Yeah, there you go. There so, you go. Um, since uh, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the Minerva video, but that's fine. Um, so since is there a connection between Minerva and Elena from the Turks? Then do you make a connection in your video because the Minerva band is stolen from Elena, right? The Mer- so yeah, that's the the funny thing is is that there there are allusions to the 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 equipable item item the the connection doesn't really come down to that particular like level i guess there's actually like a running use of the the language of like minerva and like the goddess band i think is Mm -hmm. also something that exists or the the headdress i can't remember the language uh you said i don't even actually know about so this is a stealable item i think i've looked this up before but refresh my memory each each of the turks have um a pretty unique item that you could steal from and the minerva band which i think is just to boost magical power and it has double growth in the materia slots uh as armor but it's stolen from elena who's part of the turks and she's the newest member of the turks and she's kind of immature childish like not grown up or anything so I, right. I she hasn't like come into her own yet at this part of the, at this part of the compilation so um I, like i said i didn't watch i didn't watch your video but i i didn't know if there was like maybe a connection between uh minerva and elena being that elena is the one that you would steal the minerva band from right i actually haven't even made that connection so you're you bring that to my attention i i will look into that the the connection between so like to to sort of segue into like uh, uh detail i guess is is that it's not between minerva from crisis core to the turks p- particularly it's actually a connection between uh the benora apples to the associated color of uh purple which has like a purple flower which is something that gets brought up in remake so i'm gonna very quickly walk through this just because i think mm-hmm. this is also a part of something that we wanted to talk about anyway is is that uh I think we all noticed that in the Harbinger fight, you see the, um, it got changed in the U S version. Is that something that actually happened? Let clarify that Schrodinger. I don't know if that's, that's the case or not. Um, but, uh, changed in the U S version Harbinger, sorry, the Harbinger, uh, in remake has this purple eye and this purple glowing chest. Um, and what ends up happening is I was looking into those, those colors, right? Because it seems weird that, the harbinger glows purple and then like right after that sephiroth becomes like this purple like glowing ball i was like why is this happening so i was like okay well maybe this color association sort of like how yellow is associated with like Aerith, maybe there's like a continuous like use of this color to associate with like evil or something i didn't really know if that was going to be the case or not um but then when you watch the opening cutscene for final fantasy 7 remake and the the alleyway mm-hmm. um you can see, you know how like the one wing angel thing plays, like it just hits, and then Aerith turns to the alleyway is like frightened. That the the back of that alleyway is lit purple, um, and then it's actually in the very next cut of the scene. So the idea is is that from the very beginning of the game, the developers are trying to tell you that these colors are kind of an associated concept. Um, so 
and then that's also in the emetic specter fights like anytime there's like that heart, that whisper that's controlling the other whispers uh it's also glowing purple so that concept sort of keeps carrying through and then it comes down to a purple flower that is on rufus's coin which is talked about by developers as being like an association to fear which is something that sephiroth uses like in the compilation as a way to get to cloud and such and then it also shows up on the picture where president shinra is shaking the mayor's hand before like he's wearing the same purple flower on his shirt so the idea is is that the developers are making like this very clear distinction between like these two concepts of fear being used by shinra fear being used by sephiroth and then minerva has an association to this purple flower in crisis core uh, because the binaural white apples that grow are actually flowers first, like on the trees. So the idea is, is that the reason why the apples are purple, the purple flowers there. So I was thinking to myself, well, that's weird because this character is associated with uh, the Cetra because she has like green eyes and all this other stuff. Um, but her headband, ironically enough that you brought, brought it up, her headband in the cutscene has the color yellow and purple which is again, these dueling ideologies sort of coming together. And it's not on any other part of her, her dress. Like the purple is specifically only used visually for her in that moment and with the flowers she's associated with. And I do this whole thing, why the Benora apples is like belong, uh, only grows in Benora because Minerva is kind of just present because they grow at different times in the year. And it's only kind of when she's there that they grow probably. And then also Benora apples showing up in remake and posters and stuff like that are just like further allusions to maybe these two concepts being similar. So there is a connection there between like evil Cetra uh, or evil Minerva, the planet being associated with fear, Sephiroth being associated with that and so on. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, the only reason I went into this is just to like, that's an overview of like the first two uh videos that's like two hours of content i think kind of boiled down <laughs> so and you go and you go even uh deeper into that like that ideology of like purple and yellow uh and and it's just it's super fascinating um even down to like you breaking it down frame by frame during the vr sequence and you're just like look purple flowers are popping up you know what i mean yes, as, as the, that's the life so crazy I forgot about yeah. that one. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the live stream passes over them and like just purple flowers are being brought up. I'm like, this is such a I'd, crazy. Yeah. Like, I didn't thing. notice it. I did not notice that. I mean, of course I noticed that flowers were there, you know what I mean? But, but the yellow flowers are already present and then the purple flowers start popping up as the, as the live stream passes through. That was so cool. Um, just really, that's the kind of detail that you get out of your videos. And and I mean, obviously, I feel like the people here right now watching uh, live, I feel like you get they know you well. <laughs> um, so I'm sure they've unfortunately, seen the, <laughs> I'm sure they've seen your video. Um, but anybody listening to this that may not be familiar with Sleep Easy, definitely check out these videos, man, because you really get some in um, in depth, detailed breakdowns. Um, so you, are, you, you did talk about your fascination with purple and yellow and, yes. and it's definitely covered a lot in your videos. Uh, so I won't go into that right now. Um, even though I, I just love that. I just love that you're, you, you bring up this fascination with purple and yellow and you're like, you know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I get a little crazy about it. <laughs> so can I, uh, yeah, just, just, um, before Daniel goes into his next thing, uh, 
like I'm super into lore and everything, but I'm also uh, I'm more into how games mechanically keep continuity. Um, mm. And so this next thing, because you seem you seem like you have a lot of knowledge on on just this like this part in particular more than anybody I've spoken to. But so for continuity wise, this game is broken up into multiple parts. Now, uh, level 50 was the max level, right? Uh, in remake part one, I believe you couldn't go past level 50. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. so at the end of remake part one, you fight this colossal, you know, gigantic cosmic space God, and mm-hmm. your team, you know, kicks butt. Right. And then the beginning of Remake Part 2, you're probably going to be fighting, like, level one coyotes getting your ass kicked. <laughs> so, like, yeah. do you have any insight on how you go from being, you know, god killers to, like, I, I think I need to run away from this goblin fight because I don't have enough <laughs> potions? That is That is a big thing that I have been sort of, silently mulling over like i haven't really like talked about that openly because i think that there's there's a very i think that's where most people get hung up and i think that that's a very good and accurate way of like that's a good question because i think and just in this conversation like Vinny, and i'm sure you too uh daniel is that it's more about like you guys know the ins and outs of like the game the game is like the fact that you brought up the minerva band is i don't know as much about those details like where i'm more looking at it from like a lore perspective i enjoy the games as they are and i know like the minimum of that i would say um but the fact that like there have been several people who come up and ask me like what that is um there there are a couple of lore reasons why there would be like this sort of odd switch in modes like going from like being a god killer as you said to like killing coyotes <laughs> um but i don't see and this is where i kind of like think to myself is the lore satisfactory of an answer to that question though like yeah. would you like even if i had an answer which i have several but mm-hmm. like would that actually satisfy anybody going into part two well i think the, the uh oh i'm sorry Vinny. You, go ahead man i was gonna say like at the end of the day Sometimes you need to chalk your answers up to it's a video game and this is how they wanted to go with it. I mean, sometimes that is the answer and, you know, it's sometimes it's just like, all right, you know, it's a video game. This isn't real life. So they're going to go right. from killing gods to killing coyotes just to keep the challenge. You know, it's, it's, it, it is a video game. And if there is a, you know, if there is a solid answer for it, then it, honestly, I, I would take any, I would take any answer at this point that yeah. just makes sense. <laughs> um, right. So Gene, Gene says, uh, I think the idea is that they were in a different dimension. And um, to I've heard that, on that too. Yeah. There is a lot about the singularity that gets very, like very crazy of a conversation. And it's something I bring up very lightly. in in the most recent video is that there's this idea that there's, this event hap- happening in this particular area that kind of explains why is because the developers 
refer to like the battle with Sephiroth. Like as soon as Sephiroth shows up in the singularity and he's like, I'm just like going to fucking throw buildings at you. <laughs> and here comes a train and all this other stuff is, uh, is referred to as Advent children, Cloud and Sephiroth. Yeah. So there is this idea that what's happening here is sort of like a meeting of like meaning of two different sort of, I don't want to. I'm not going to say dimension. I think that there's a reason why, though, that Cloud is able to do more of what he's maybe more associated with in like other titles. Um, but again, for me, see now this is where it's sort of like an opposite answer than I think you're looking for. Is is that I think from a gameplay perspective, it it can be satisfactory to have an answer for the lore. I think it really needs to come through though in like the way that they break this down and doesn't feel like you're just picking up again from like the peak of remake part one and just being like okay now we're going to simmer down a little bit there has to be like a a proper slope into that game that is both explained through the lore but mainly through the way that it's delivered in gameplay because even if there is a good lore explanation it has to be done properly through storytelling for that to make me feel like I'm getting some sort of resolution to this properly or a reason why, for instance, like Aerith, like this, I think NSP asked me this. He's like, why is the next thing that happens not going to be Aerith just telling them everything that she knows. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that it doesn't look like she knows anything anymore. Like Tifa's like, well, what do we do now? And then she looks at Aerith because she has had all the answers up until then. And she just shakes her head. She's like, I have no idea what's happening now. <laughs> um, and I think that has something to do with her disconnection from the planet at this particular moment, which is also something that's brought up in my series is that I think she's kind of made herself an enemy of the planet, so to speak, for doing what she's done. Um, and there's a plethora of other explanations to this idea too. But um, I think the idea is, is that they're going to want answers and just not get anything out of her because she's just not going to know as much and also, we're not really sure how much she does know either. So maybe an explanation can't really happen until like later. One so, of those, well, like one of the things that you you bring up in your video uh, is how Aerith is, you know, obviously so conflicted throughout the whole game. Um, she knows things, but she also just doesn't know what to do. Like she has this this feeling of like, okay. I know what I might be able to do, but I don't know if I should do it because I do not know where it leads. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, yeah. And like you said, like when you get this disconnect from the from the planet, and I, I think she might have gotten that after opening that portal, and it's kind of like you've like you have deliberately disobeyed me as many <laughs> yeah. possible. <laughs> right. um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so you, you get that, and I maybe she is cut off from it. To circle back to your um your your question, Vinny, I would like to like maybe just say that you know calm would be a great place to explain this. Um, like mm -hmm. just be like okay guys we're at calm let's recollect our thoughts um what what just happened and then they and then maybe Aerith might be able to say uh we were brought into uh the live stream or maybe we were brought into the negative live stream like sephiroth's version of it or something um and maybe she can explain that but she won't be able to explain anything else so i don't know maybe if if we're taking like it, what we just discussed if we're taking that as like the accepted answer as to like why they were able to do the things they were able to do that only further proves because like so cloud 
if I was if I was thrown into a situation like that with no prior knowledge, and you, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't instinct instinctually know that I could swat away buildings with a sword. Or as Barrett, I wouldn't <laughs> instinctually know that I can shoot my gun arm to like completely obliterate this you know skyscraper monster that's in front of me. Right. So that just leads me to further believe that if they instinctually knew that they like they had this advent children style powers then that just leads me to believe that this is more of a sequel to advent children and the first the original final fantasy 7 because if Aerith does know things and then at the end of it now she doesn't know what's going on then that leads me to believe that they they destroyed fate Aerith knew everything that was going on up until this point where they destroyed fate. And now she's like, now I don't know what's going to happen because we defeated fate. So now it's anybody's game. So I think the way that you just put that is exactly like, so and it kind of plays into what you just said, Daniel, like a little bit ago too, is that there's a idea of like how Aerith sort of gets information in OG where and it's in the sleeping forest where she's like I just have this feeling that I need to get answers here and she gets answers when she gets there because the water altar uh, like and this is through like Ultimania's is a place where you have a direct connection to the planet so like it's where like your prayer will be heard the like the most like so one person can go there pray for something and just immediately be heard by the planet and in the like explanation here is is that that's probably the same thing that's happening to Aerith in remake is, is that there's like an instinctual reaction to what she's being told there's only like bits and pieces sort of the way that cloud also gets his information is is that and the party at, in the singularity is is that they're not getting the full picture of what's happening they're seeing like flashes, images of like events that have taken place, but they don't understand like the full context of why that this these things are happening. They do know that a giant meteor heading towards the earth is a very bad thing and that they should stop that, but they don't understand the context in which this is happening. They only know that the future that they're trying to stop is like, that's what happens. So they need to challenge that. They just don't know why. So at the end, having that be like the, the way that we view all of the characters in that moment is, is that they're feeling this instinctually um, is the better way to look at it, I think, going forward. And probably the, the easiest way to explain it in like a part two as well. Um, it's okay. just seeing it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think uh, I see that there's, you know, people in the chat might have some questions for uh, for Sleep Easy. We are going to open up to final fan questions uh, segments soon. So please, um, if you have any questions for Sleep Easy, we'll be get, we'll be there in just just a few few minutes. Uh, I'm sorry. So, if, I know I'm usually reading chat too, which I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of. Because uh, I'm yeah, ranting. <laughs> I knew when I started this, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to focus on chat and <laughs> talk at the same time. Um, so we go with uh, the onto the next topic. Um, it's pretty common knowledge now uh, that uh, a, you know AC Advent Children before Crisis BC Crisis Core CC Dirt of Service DC, uh, and now we're at EC with Ever Crisis. Um, and mm. you know earlier this month, Square Enix trademarked it. Um, so. Here's I want I would like to pitch my theory to you, Sleep Easy. 
Yeah. Uh, you may laugh Please. at it or you may build off of it. <laughs> mm. um, so for me, it's all personally, a game at this point. <laughs> I feel like you you may know a little bit more than I do. <laughs> but uh, so so when we talked about earlier, you talked you even said it almost taking the words right out of my my uh, paragraph here uh, where Genova is this ongoing crisis uh within mm-hmm. the, the universe and it repeats and keeps going on uh the literal definition of ever is you know like ex- you know exceedingly it's it, it keeps going never ending and stuff like that right um yeah. increasingly constantly so with the word ever you know literally meaning that for me i believe that this game is going to be about genova um and i think that mm. it would be insane to p- be able to play as a cetera um and then after watching your videos like oh oh my god what if you played as minerva but anyways we go back we go back to it um like what if you took place during during the time of the calamity from the skies uh i think that would be such an amazing like event uh to experience within a game um now whether or not this really impacts the future of the franchise you know like the games and stuff like that i i don't know i mean it might just be a cool little scenario to play through um but yeah, I, I feel like that would be really cool to have the Ever Crisis be uh, Cetra. And then, uh, you know, during the Cetra time of the, uh, the Calamity from the Skies, dealing with Genova, dealing with her uh, infecting people with a virus, um, dealing with the Cetras. Uh, I can't, rem- you know, remember which came first, but I believe that the Cetra was starting to fall out at, the, at this time. Like they were starting to settle down, losing their ability to talk to the planet. Is this, is this right? Uh, around that time I when think- the Calamity fell? it's around that time that i think they started to like humans went into hiding when genova showed up i Mm. think and this again this is something that i constantly need to clear myself up on um but i I think the idea is that cetra just started to either like go extinct after this event so right now in the history genova showing up there are still cetra around and they're just like different sections of them so some of them are a norse pole or north pole I'm just going to say that because it's just way fucking easier for me to say it like that. So there's some there and there's some around the planet. Um, And we don't really know what causes them afterwards to go extinct, but we know that like a fauna, like as, as an example is a pure blooded cetra. So yeah, they must've like stuck around on out, not too, too recently. Right. Something must've happened over time. So now this is a a loss of connection. I have, um, I have, like it come to my attention uh, recently that the book that I have, mm-hmm. um, uh, this one, uh, this is the legend of final fantasy seven. It has uh, come to my attention mm. that, that some of this stuff is actually not, um, you know, it might not actually be accurate and it's, you know, that could be, could be bad. It could be falsifying information, but there is a section of, uh, of Cetra in this book. Whereas the, uh, like the Cetra are actually, or humans are actually just Cetra that, lost like onward from disney pixar you know what i mean like like they just stopped using magic and then they lost the ability to talk to the planet um that's what this book says um so if you you know if that's like during that time when you have like these conflicted you know the cetera are divided where they're you know some of them just want to settle down and and start using technology and rather than you know cultivating the planet um and then all of a sudden they're they're at their kind of their weakest and all of a sudden, boom, Genova falling from the sky and, you know, experiencing that timeline, I feel like would be really cool. 
um, and I feel like ever crisis just kind of refers to that. Like this is the beginning. It was referred to as the original crisis, I believe in the original Final Fantasy seven. Um, mm-hmm. It was called the original crisis. And there are and now marks of that is yeah. Ever crisis yeah. quote unquote. Um, I, I totally, so it's funny because I see that almost as like in the complete opposite way. Now what you're describing sounds literally awesome. Like I love, <laughs> I, like in my brain, when I was rewatching like OG footage, I was like, when Afalna starts to describe the events, all I want to see is Genova like fucking up summons and getting like imprisoned and just having it be like a blockbuster moment of just like let's see how that just went down like i i want her to like have a flashback of retelling this event and just show us exactly how that went down because it would be phenomenal playing a game of that (laughs) would be literally the coolest thing ever (laughs) i uh okay so this is where it's funny because this is kind of always sort of the conversations are sort of spilling into each other pretty well here but I think Ever Crisis, and people are going to be really mad at me for saying this, I think. Um, so, uh, God, it's about Genesis, but <laughs> oh, no. I'm saying it so under my breath. So here's the thing is, is that one of the things that is, and I'm not saying that this is what I think Ever Crisis is going to be just one for one about, but it was something I was actually looking at like right before jumping onto this. Is, is that the developers said, um, for those who aren't cleared up on Genesis lore, <laughs> um, I feel like I'm sort of trolling right now, but I'm trying not to, to make it sound like that. I actually am <laughs> serious. Uh, is, uh, there, is a, there is a section of, uh, I think, Crisis Course like manual that sort of describes the end events of Genesis's role in that game. And also sort of explains why he then shows up in Dirge of Cerberus at the secret cutscene, mm-hmm. is that there's this idea of that Minerva, this the will of the life stream, is sort of taking note that Genesis is a soldier who wants to defy fate, his fate, or wants to serve like uh, to live. He wants to find a way to stop himself from dying, and he is like finding whichever way he can to like survive this thing. And the, the live stream sort of grants him a recovery from his degradation. And then he gets taken away by uh, who we'd later find out to be Vice and Nero um, to, to deep ground where there's a lot of very complicated lore and a lot of like, not contradictions, but a, a mess of lore to like look through uh, when it comes to that. The point that I'm trying to bring up is, is that the reason why she does that or the live stream does this to Genesis is because Genesis, and it's noted by the developers, is, is that he is awaiting to be summoned from a future, for a future crisis. Mm. So when we look at Ever Crisis, that would be FC, and the, like the, as we all know, the A, B, <laughs> well, Final Crisis. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, that's the third game. Then. That's the third game. <laughs> That's what's coming later uh, is so the, the term ever uh, is the root word ever is based in ever, uh, which is rooted in the book of Genesis. So the point that I'm trying to make here is, is that the future crisis, a game that is being announced to be a comp, like a direct association to the compilation 
at, in the title crisis and the developers alluding to maybe the fact of uh, Genesis showing up for a future crisis, then there might be, and just the name ever being a successor to Dirge of Cerberus's sort of lineage of naming mm. might suggest a future after Dirge of Cerberus or something that takes place after like Genova, that. Or, um, uh, I'm sorry, not Genova, Genesis way of trying to get back to where Sephiroth is. Like, you know, like, wait a second. He, like he comes yes. back and he realizes everybody's gone. Like, now I, I know that what I just said. Yeah, back in time, back in time. Let's get the DeLorean and let's uh, let's head back through this thing. Um, obviously, eighty-eight miles per hour. That's as fast as the wind goes. That's lore. Um, but the the point that I'm trying to bring up is, and you know what? It's really weird to think this because I know that a lot of people had like fan theories before, like I ever made my videos. When I started making my videos, the thought in my head was like, they need to remake this compilation to some degree. Um, and when we started hearing about Ever Crisis, I was like, and First Soldier, I was like, this is exactly what this is trying to do. This is like a retelling or an expansion of what we already know. So for me, I think, and also Ever Crisis and First Soldier are like debatable names, like First Soldier, like that doesn't necessarily mean like Sephiroth yeah. either, which I didn't find out until later. Um, but I know that that would be massively disappointing for people to see like Genesis show up and have a crisis and be like, why is this happening? Like, why are you ruining this franchise further? Genesis I can see it on both of you. Yeah, exactly. Got- Not Sephiroth Redemption Arc. I have my thoughts on Genesis. I do want to, uh, like, I'll touch on First Soldier first and then, I'll, then we can talk about Genesis. The number one sure. voted thing that people wanted to hear us talk about was Genesis. Um, but on Twitter, uh, so... So when it comes to First Soldier, um, I do kind of agree with Mo on this one. He posted something where he was like, look, this is, um, he, he thinks it's going to be a anime. Um, and I, I really agree I with him. That. I lean into that a lot. Uh, whereas naming convention is obviously very important here in the, uh, the compilation. So, you know, last order, First Soldier, you know, they got that naming convention kind of going on. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they, they must share some kind of, um, chemistry uh you know some kind of similarity between the two names and i think that's the media it's going to be a movie it's going to be an anime or something along that lines um and i believe that i mean i I learned this too uh that sephiroth is not a technically the first soldier um i i I believe that the the soldier was deployed before sephiroth and stuff like that but sephiroth is the first to be you know like he is like the first soldier if you want to you know if you want to get the first of his kind for sure and i think most people jump to that thought because it's like well also just sephiroth is the most iconic so it's like when you think Mm. of a soldier like it's cloud it's you know it's sephiroth after that so and maybe zach yeah but he was the first being the first uh, of that yeah yeah he was the first to have the genova uh cells right am i correct on that one like he's the first it all so, leads back uh, to Genesis. It's debatable. I, I think it is <laughs> Sephiroth first because Genesis and Angeal came after uh, came after Sephiroth. He was the first like true like experiment. So and okay. like Gen- I, Genesis I, seems I, more like an afterthought. I really think that they're gonna make this about Sephiroth. Like I don't think they would make a a, a movie or a, a game if it is a game. I still think it's a movie um, or an anime. It's not going to be like, hey, first soldier, and you're going to be Joe. 
like you know like that show <laughs> detective yeah right, right. yeah like, who's this wait That's what? Right. um so i think i think it'll yeah. be i think it'll, it's going to be about sephiroth and i do believe it would probably like you said earlier you would love to get into that into the mindset of um you know of sephiroth during this chaotic time and i think this would be a great way of like looking at it of course you can read mo's book uh the nibelheim incident and that's a really good book um <laughs> and they should probably Fantastic. just take the script there yeah absolutely absolutely just take the script that's right, right. <laughs> um be a prequel to the nibelheim right. incident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so i do think i think that's what we'll see i think we'll see a young sephiroth maybe like um you know growing up thinking he's you know thinking he's a soldier he's awesome you know and then eventually you know you get the you get to feel that arc but then as I like, as I mm. think about this, I get nervous again. I'm like, okay, well, is this like prequel Star Wars prequel stuff? Like you want me to, you want me to see what Anakin mm. was before he was, you know, like, okay, cool. Is this a redemption arc? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> is this what I you're think, trying to do? Yeah. So look, and that's Sephiroth the weird thing good. is, is that you need to <laughs> like, I think the, the, the idea of these things and I, and again, why I also am with you on this is that I don't think it's room for us to be like oh my gosh he needs to be redeemed like it's more like here's like the fall from grace and from being like the best to literally just the worst possible person ever and it's like yeah. let's see what that is let's see what he's going through there's a lot like there's still heavy debate that i get into about like whether sephiroth and Genova are like one person i personally believe that there's some other uh, like thing, I think it's Sephiroth mostly. People want to say it's Genova controlling Sephiroth or uh, Sephiroth controlling Genova. I usually default to mm -hmm. Sephiroth, but the idea is that you could see it as Sephiroth being like taken over by Genova's will, which is what leads to like him freeing his mother, him jump or getting tossed into mm -hmm. oh god, into the life stream in Nibelheim. Um, all of these things could be equated to that, but like a setting up of like him going mm. mad and like losing his mind, I think is going to be regardless of whether or not I connect with him or not kind of amazing to see in any form that it comes in. I would personally love it. Jumps into the live stream. <laughs> the, the compilation is, has run deep. It's too deep now to, to remove. Uh, I was just having that conversation, which is why oh, I said man. that. Um, the, the, I think the idea, though, would be just to like experience this thing, whether that's a game or not. I would really like it to be mm. a game. I want it to be like Revengeance, like oh, Metal Gear Revengeance. Like, I would totally love that. Just make us feel like such a, like a powerful mm. dude, you know? Hey. Like, you would, if you made a game, you would have to make us literally the strongest and coolest oh, thing ever. Yeah. So, if they could express Devil that May properly, Cry, that would be awesome. basically. <laughs> Yes, exactly. as far as that goes, I mean, when you said anime, I instantly thought of like a series anime, and I wouldn't mind mm. actually because I a series just allows you to go deeper into everything. Um, I wouldn't mind actually a Final yes. Fantasy seven anime series because like uh, Star Wars does it pretty well with the uh, was it Clone Wars or um or whatever Clone the Wars Mandalorian even does like a pretty good job of right. like expanding but, on like, like an idea or something. Clone Wars goes between th like so many like it 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 go it starts before certain movies comes after certain movies oh yeah but, you right know on. at the same time so like a Final Fantasy series wouldn't be unheard of to where it's like you know the series goes into things and then there's games that come out 
at, but like the series t- ties along with you know movies or series or or um games or books even that that come out everything can tie together but i feel like like if it were to be an anime it would probably help the compilation be understood more if it was an actual series where they can divulge information and flesh it out a lot better than putting it in a two two and a half hour movie where mm-hmm. you know you have a time crunch series a series allows you to have no time crunch essentially with, with that yeah. like idea um who's to say it has to be about separate like why can't it just be about creating the first soldier like the the mm-hmm. trials the errors the um you know like being able to finally succeed with sephiroth right and then and then maybe we can go from there and like explore sephiroth like he he becomes the first you know successful soldier uh that they're trying to create and then and then you go on from there and, and then essentially cool. essentially well yeah because you can you can have like a shinra origin story with that series a hojo origin story with that series which would lead into a sephiroth origin story with that series like you know you have so many people that you could flesh out content i know you have have lucretia yeah right and we'd have so much more to talk about on the show yes exactly perfect i would have more to talk about for sure oh my gosh (laughs) yes um BC is is the would be a great show just in general like a Turks a Turks show I thought would be like so amazing like so amazing just because there's so much I think that's actually one of the the better content that compilation has put out is like in a game that we literally can't play that's the thing Um, yeah exactly nobody yeah who's played it oh man that would be a cool one only people who had mobile phones in (laughs) Japan it would be awful Uh, oh yeah it would be nice to have that game um, yeah, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you on expanding on the on the lore of of anything, you know, like and just like for clarification too, like there's a lot that we do kind of like know about like certain timings of things, but like we like ironically don't even know like exactly when Sephiroth was born. Like that's something that we just don't know. Like we know that like the time frame he was, but we don't know have his actual like birthday and stuff like that. So like having a series that discusses like when this takes place, like any information in the compilation that can be brought up because Ultimania, the recent like remake Ultimanias didn't bring that up. So like Ever Crisis, First Soldier have just, no matter what they're covering are just these huge gold mines for people like ourselves who are like talking about Final Fantasy VII or people who are invested in like the compilation. Like these are things that we've been waiting to like get some sort of clarification on or just assume that we never were going to get clarification on since the beginning so no matter what first soldier is whether movie whatever or same with ever crisis whether that's part two or some other extended part of the compilation universe or just a remake of it like it will just be very satisfying like i i'm already like i was just wishing for any compilation stuff period so the fact that there's something else other than this main story coming out is like the biggest thrill of my yeah. life. Like this is more than I could have ever asked for for a, being a fan of the lore of all of this. So. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Um, like I, as I said, I mean anything, uh, compilation stuff that's really exciting. Um, uh, you know, you, it's the remake stuff that really gets you concerned. <laughs> but I do think that part two, uh, if I if I want to like just throw out my idea there before I, we move on to uh, fan questions. Sure. Yeah. Or I think we have one more. We have we have to talk about Genesis. Uh, but. <laughs> um before we move on there i will throw out that i do think that the next part will be called reunion 
that's just me. I think they're going to stick to words that start with RE. That's just me. Um, I think, I, I think, you know, you got remake and then maybe reunion. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I've said right. on the show uh, Requiem, because like that, that has, a, mm-hmm. that has, a, that's a word that has a lot to do with uh, coming, uh, re- rejoining and stuff. Um, replicate too. So there, there, there's things oh like, Oh my God, that. they had the same thought. Regenesis. Yeah. Regenesis. <laughs> totally. totally fine with that. There you go. Fantastic. Oh, <laughs> and no. that is a perfect Those two are segue. on the same page. Yeah. Segway the Genesis topic. All right. <laughs> oh All right. So here's, here's where this is that, man. Cause like before we got into this conversation, I said, okay, we're going to talk about Genesis. I need to collect my thoughts on Genesis because I just had this just this ongoing hatred for Genesis. Um, and I think it's just developed into this thing where I don't know why I hate them anymore. I just don't like them. <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> I think about it and I said, okay, I think it boils down to this. Is Genesis more important? Is he going to have a more uh, important role than Sephiroth or Cloud or even Genova? And, and I think that's what that's what hits me first. Uh, the first thing that hits me is I'm just like, I don't like the thought of his return, which shall not be forestalled apparently. And I do not like yes. it because I'm like, is is he going to come back as this as this you know greater purpose? Like, does he have a greater purpose than Cloud or Sephiroth? Is he going to be mm. the one? that like stops Sephiroth is he going to be the one that you know uh does these these grand things and like it's just like he feels like an afterthought to me you know what I mean like he feels so, like I know he was yeah yeah in, absolutely yeah. yeah there you go that that's that's where I that's where I'm at with it whereas when in Crisis Core when he was introduced in Crisis Core I was like this guy I mean he wasn't I don't I mean, who's this guy who's this guy you know, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't exactly. like the who, fact that he was. Who's this guy showing up? Yeah, who's this guy on par with Sephiroth? Like, why is he sitting here? You know, what is this guy? Um, so that was that's where it was hitting me. You know what I mean? I just like I don't like the idea. This uncertain. He is just he's fogged by fogged with uncertainty right now. Like, what is his purpose? And in the way you, from watching your videos, I'm like he seems like he's being set up for this really, really good purpose. Like, like he's he, like by Minerva, her, excuse me, Minerva herself. I couldn't say, <laughs> by the way, like it took me at least like four different episodes to be able to say like Elfalna correctly. Like now oh, it's just beating yeah. in my head. I used to say Elfalna and I'm like, <laughs> I think it was baby seal who was the like, illest. just don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> Same with Minerva. It was like, oh, these fucking words. I can't Minerva. like figure this out fast enough. Minerva. Minerva. I understand. Yeah. Um, I think yep. when it comes down to Genesis, I can't. Okay, so here's the. Okay, so I'm on the same page with you guys with where I started. Is is that the only thing that kept coming up for me? This is why the first video I made was like, yeah, like the games, the aspects of each part of the compilation that people hate which is like people hate dirge of cerberus people really don't like loveless they really don't like genesis like he is literally like if anybody looks at the compilation that's like on the bottom of the list that's the if we're doing comparisons here like a jar jar banks of like the series of like people not enjoying this character at all so for the thing that comes back to me is again when i started looking at all this information i was like okay so like without feeling any sort of one way or another about this like what what am i seeing here um 
and it starts with remake. So I'm just going to kind of walk through all of these things and I'm just going to let you have an opinion about it, whether you feel it will be there or not, you know, whether or not you think he might be involved. So the first thing is, is that we show up in remake in deep ground, which is alluded to after plate fall, which is the area where you fight those creatures uh, that are like, have those talons coming out of their backs. Right. So the developers have noted that that's a deep ground reference, which is from Dirge of Cerberus, which is also something where Genesis has like a large part of the history and how it turns out the way that it does in Dirge of Cerberus. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Nero and Vice, who are the villains of Dirge of Cerberus, um, are like his quote unquote brother. They're not physically uh, like related, but they associate with themselves that way. Um, so he has a very integral part of that story. So that's not a direct connection right off the bat, but we're just going to keep going a little further, right? Yeah. So the talons on the backs of these creatures are in the same place as where Genesis's wings are. So Genesis's wing is on that shoulder. It's the, it's, and the color association is red. Um, so there, that was for me when I was convinced. I was like, okay, that is a direct connection to Genesis which is sort of weird because again, I haven't like, and it has the same amount of joints in the wing as Genesis's wings do. So it's literally like a one for one. So I'm just like, okay, that seems pretty clear, but that's no indication that he's in the game. So you didn't get to this part because you didn't watch a part four, but there's, so there's a Setra proverb in the game uh, in remake where they talk about the providence of the planet and going to paradise. Um, That, is actually so in the japanese version of crisis core genesis gives this speech before absorbing this materia that turns him into this giant final boss right um how he is receiving the providence of the planet and that he's going to take everybody to paradise essentially which is the destined place so the idea here is is that the setra proverb in remake is making a direct connection to genesis's speech before becoming the the weapon quote unquote which is another thing i discuss of the planet so there are a lot of these and then the the obvious one being let's say the g and s type cells which is also confirmation that those exist in the universe still from hojo so with all of that being said it seems like there's this really roundabout way that remake for me is sort of alluding to genesis's like presence not necessarily being deliberate about it and i also want to state that i'm not necessarily like thinking that he would show up one for one genesis i think the role of genesis is super important i think people hate him because he's quoting a poem all the time and that the role that he's trying to fill is you know it's not received well because the storytelling is not like representing a character properly. And if you took out 90% of the loveless talk um, and then inserted uh, the like actual character, which I think you could provide for him, uh, that would make him infinitely more interesting for people. I think people would be a little off put right off the bat, but I think that people could actually grow to, to be engaged by that character. And now the other thing I will say is, is that the goddess and the association with Loveless and all this other stuff, unfortunately for people who are hate that stuff, um, is a direct comparison to like the events going into Crisis Core. So the last video that I do touches on it very briefly, 
but I go into it in the structure of five series is how intricately connected the things that are happening as like thematic story elements of Loveless show up in remake all over the place and thematic storytelling of like Crisis Core. But those those themes are very specifically communicated like Destiny, Destiny for instance, is very clearly communicated through Genesis's character. Mm-hmm. So the conversation of Wings being brought up, the illusions of Deep Ground, the, his sort of mentioning in the character models for Deep Ground soldiers, which are the Talon creatures, and then just mm-hmm. most of those things make, and also the future crisis mention in the thing that I mentioned when we started talking about him before makes it very like, it's it's so, it's on the, if it happens, and I usually call these things and I'm like, if this happens, like I'll like hundred bucks says that this happens. Like I am pretty <laughs> certain, like I'm like 90% certain that he's going to be showing up in some form or fashion. So I don't know how that's going to be received though, because I'm looking at it like people who hate him are going to be so mad. There's a part of me that's like, well, how much of that is actually going to be something that the audience wants is this something like this is always something i think about with the compilation is that you're like i'm kind of getting excited about this i'm like well if genesis shows up like are like even people who are kind of open to the idea like how open are people going to be about something so controversial already <laughs> you know what i mean that would be a big change. so right yeah you're, you're talking drastic change at this point um you know what right. i mean like for for people who love the original story which I, I i've already said at this point i don't believe a word like like katasti came out already and said that uh yeah, you just assume that it's going to continue the way it is it's not let's be honest <laughs> like, like mm. there's going to be something that's going to there's going to be as- different elements to me for sure like yeah. i think it's a combination of both sorry to, to cut yes. you off i think that there's definitely like a balance to be struck between the old and the new Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some jarring, like it doesn't even have to be like Genesis, but I think there has to be a character that represents the same role of Genesis in remake to some degree. And I'm not saying that for the sake of like just the OG and keeping OG the way that it is. It's, it's a perfect example for the conversation that we're going into. So sort of how I bring him up at the end of the video, which I I know you've watched with like Mm -hmm. Aerith in combination of that is is that he's a perfect reflection of why i see Aerith's arc going the way that it does so to make that clear with the presence of him is a very good frame of reference for the audience to take and i would like to now make a connection between and people are going to hate me for doing this too is that at the end of avengers (laughs) people saw thanos and people were like who the fuck is this dude? Nobody knew who the fuck this d- dude was unless you were a <laughs> comic book fan. And no one was. No one was at the beginning. No one was a fucking comic book fan unless you were a comic book fan. If you'd watched movies, there might have been some overlap, but it's not as big as it was, right? That was when things were taking off. It's the same thing that's happening in Remake, is, is that there are things being mentioned that only like compilation fans would see. There's a fucking horn. So I, I talk about this too in one of the videos. You know that behemoth that you fight on the side quest where you're gathering like materials and remake? Yeah. The horns on that boss are an allusion to a villain in Dirge of Cerberus because there's a villain in Dirge of Cerberus that transforms into a behemoth 
and they literally one for one have the same horn. One for one. There's not a single behemoth in the entire story of Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy that have the same thing. So the point is, is that like things like that, something so small, so not particular is being like scrutinized and explained to the audience that it's like, we're paying attention to this stuff. Like these are things we're mm-hmm. thinking about while making this game. So to think yeah. that such an integral bigger piece won't be included is very difficult for me to believe at this point. I'm 100% Sorry, on board. Again, with you. a rant. No, you're, you're okay. This is why we brought you on the show. <laughs> I want, I want to hear you talk. <laughs> oh, I love it. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, man. You know, we've already we've already gone a while. I don't know uh, how long you have, but I'm I'll talk all you know, talk all night. We're good to go. <laughs> right, we'll do it. Um, yeah. So which doesn't have a timer, it, dude. It doesn't. We're good. I already got the I got the premium version of Zoom. Yeah. We're fine, man. No time limit here. Um, but anyways, oh when it comes God. to <laughs> when it comes to Genesis, right? Um, being in remake, you you asked me before you uh went on uh went on with what you said. Um. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I think Genesis is going to be in remake. There's, I don't think there's any way around it, especially after um, watching your videos and these breakdowns. Um, and actually, uh, Maverick said earlier, and I, I really liked what he said. It made, got me thinking. Um, Maverick said that, uh, what was it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was, it was Cloud and Aerith. So each, mm-hmm. each, of these, each of these like godlike beings have their own champion. You know what I mean? You have you have Aerith, which is kind of on par with Minerva, or going to be on par. Um, that's her champion, is Cloud, and then Minerva has her champion Genesis, and Genova has her champion Sephiroth, right, or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah. 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 Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, it's a, yeah. I just saw that. Uh, I saw Maverick post that, and I, and I was like, man, that's a that's a really cool. Uh, I mean, it goes off of what you said. There's three. There's always three mm-hmm. archetypes. Right, so if you have the the Genova and Sephiroth, I believe that would be. What would you say that would? That's not the slave. That would be uh, Genesis and uh, and Minerva. Genesis and Minerva. So that's the funny thing is, is that Genesis definitely plays more into like the idea of. So uh, the slave. So Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that the archetype introduced in Crisis Core um, is that there's this role that genesis covets which is the role of the hero he's like the world needs a new hero and like he gets super on about that and that's like the driving force of his character is that he sees sephiroth filling this archetype that he loves from this book loveless Mm -hmm. which has the archetype of the hero the traveler and the slave and when he wants he wants the title for himself so the idea is that he is jealous of sephiroth wants to take that title for his his own and then sort of as an evolution in that topic he's like okay well i want to you know have this honor that soldier has this like thing that is a hero quality and so he starts looking for that and also a cure for his illness um at the time and the idea is that he won't ever become that actual role of the hero. It's what he wants, but ultimately that's not the the role that he services. And then he quotes like a part of Loveless, which sort of indicates that he has some conscious knowledge after being in touch with the life stream, after absorbing this giant uh, materia, that 
he kind of becomes aware that like he's in a fixed role. And even though he wanted to become this thing, it's not really in the cards for him to do. But then Minerva shows up and he's like, okay, well, you want to fill a role in this to some degree. So I'm going to like kind of put you away for like yeah, a little bit or send you back <laughs> because I'm going to use you later. So it, it is interesting. So, but that the thing about, Minerva's role as like a slave as well would be something mm. new to me, like into mm. something to think about. But it's more of like an evolution of the receiving of the role. So like for Cloud, it's really easy to see because he's the successor of Zach. And then Zach is the successor of Angeal. And it's like the passing down of this hero sort mm. of title, quote unquote. Even though I guess you would say that Angeal is the traveler at that point and then passing on i guess zach sort of becomes sort of a wild card because he's also taking on the roles of several at mm -hmm. the end of the game of crisis core as well where he's noted as being angel and sephiroth represented at the final part of the game so i think it gets very difficult to like maybe see it as like everyone's like a one for one like slave is then passed down as a slave is passed down as a slave so i guess you could say that minerva would fill the role of a traveler as Angeal is also associated mm. with the Cetra, which is also something that's sort of associated with like Aerith, maybe. Sorry, I know that like I'm breaking this down in my head and I'm yeah, no, like not making it out loud. Like bring it. So. Like I love what Maverick brought up there. The you know the two v two v two. You know, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's interesting. Um, I mean, you could say in a way that Minerva would be the slave because she's kind of the slave to the live stream, right? Or the planet where she's- Yeah, she's literally just like a talking piece for it. Yeah. So like she's, she's just servitude. there to, she's not making the, the call. Yeah, exactly. She's making the call based off of what the live stream is communicating to her. So maybe that is a proper way to see that. And I love and, that question. I have Sephiroth. to look into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's really cool. Like, I mean, it's cool to think of it. I just don't like the idea of like Genesis being on par. But I mean, when you get or uh, if he's on par, I feel like it's okay. But as long as he doesn't exceed the importance of like Sephiroth as a whether he's going to be this villain or a hero, I'm not sure. But like, as long as he doesn't exceed Cloud or Sephiroth or Genova at, for that matter, like those are the the villains of Final Fantasy VII to me. And I just don't like the idea of Genesis coming in here and being this more important, you know. Uh, uh, I don't think he will ever be as important as Sephiroth or Cloud. Yeah. I think for sure, like, as you're sort of, I think, again, going back to, like, the detail-oriented, like, character stuff, I think people, whoever's making this game, Square probably, <laughs> they, <laughs> that they have a very conscious opinion of the opinions of, like, their audience. Yeah. I think they know very, like, they're very aware, and especially in Remake, of, like, what things people don't want touched, what they don't want changed where like the right chords to hit with like Aerith are. It's like, let me allude to this. Mm -hmm. Like they're playing heartstrings there, but they so only like, are doing that because they know how aware they are of you being aware of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when, when you brought up. So um, Genesis uh, isn't, isn't a heartstring. Genesis isn't that heartbeat. <laughs> when you yeah, no one wants, nobody wants the harp to be played for Genesis. I think <laughs> he will mainly be a, 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 a character that serves the the role of explaining the conversation he will probably be used more as like a as a conversation starter than an actual character he might not even show up with like genesis's voice like 
I didn't bring this up, but like Roach is also like a pretty good potential character to bring this conversation into because he's a new character. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly how he's been experimented on, if at all, but he seems to have some extra extraordinary abilities for just a regular soldier. Like he is literally like making a bike fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so... yeah, yeah, yeah. I I liked Roach. I thought uh, I thought that was a really cool addition. I just don't. Obviously, I think he's he feels more of like a bridge. You know, like here he, we're, we're a bridge to gap different uh, aspects of the game. You know what I mean? Just kind of here yeah. uh, we're gonna use Roach as a as a, a story uh, a plot device. You know what I mean? Like let's keep it going. And I love the idea that there's other soldiers. Obviously, Shinra would have more soldiers. Um, and I I like that idea. I don't think he'll ever he'll ever rise above. You know, I don't feel threatened by Roach. If you know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel threatened by Genesis, and that's where that's where mm. it kind of comes down to. Um, and the way that it was in your in your um, in your videos, it just like I I foresee Sephiroth um, just kind of like having this redemption moment, and and you say uh, it's said in in the book as well on the way to smile that you'll never get rid of Sephiroth unless if you know as long as Cloud remembers him right, and it just feels like the only resolution to that is I guess Cloud dying or uh, Sephiroth redeeming himself like just saying okay I don't need this you, you know I don't need to do this anymore you know what I mean? like that's kind of that's only I'm trying to figure out where the redemption or not the redemption the resolution of it is. And and that's where I that's where I go and I'm like well it seems like Genesis was kind of written into this into this game to kind of be this well if there's no Sephiroth there's got to be a villain you know what I mean um, and I guess it's Genova but Sephiroth I feel like is more powerful than Genova at this point I don't know I, I feel they're that's one where, and the same yeah that's where I that's where I get that's where I get conflicted is that it just feels like the resolution as long as cloud is remembering sephiroth or, or holding on to that hatred um then sephiroth can do his thing but it just feels like it just feels like the only resolution to this is this if sephiroth because you can't kill him you can't kill him so he has to he has to be redeemed or, or something you know what i mean or i think oh sorry go for it no no i'm just trying to i'm just thinking out loud i'm just i'm trying to right. get your your idea on it yeah I think that there's for sure. So, okay. Like looking at it, like from this perspective of like the importance of sides is that one of the reasons why I'm like, and this is just purely like my opinion about this, but the reason why I'm, I enjoy the idea of like the live stream being associated with maybe like the same sort of structure that Shinra has set up is that it's, it's not working in the benefit of anybody. It's, it's working for its own, preservation shinra understands that the function that he serves is for the preservation of himself but he also understands why people rely on it and he even calls barrett out on it saying it's like look you want to tear this all down but you don't actually have an answer to any of this so like if you think i'm such a bad guy are you going to just take control after all of this is over and the thing about barrett is, is that he doesn't. That's not ultimately what happens in the story is he ultimately goes off looking for oil as like this other like resource, but like the people who take over Edge, like it was built like kind of in part with like Rufus, Rufus is sort of like meddling and stuff like that. So like the power structure doesn't really shift as much as people think it does after these events go down. So Shinra dies, then Edge is built, but 
like nothing really changes. Like, and he's not really that kind of person at that point, Barrett. So mm-hmm. the idea being is that there is this idea of like, if you're going to take it all down, what is the answer to that question? Like, are you going to have a system in place afterwards that actually like helps people? Which is why before, like at the beginning of this conversation, I found it really interesting that Barrett was also using this concept of hate with Tifa is, is that he's not real, like he, he isn't really a good leader per se. Like he's taking on all of these people's responsibilities and all of these struggles and he's doing a really good job of doing that, but he isn't really the kind of person that's dealt with his own stuff yet. Like he still has to go through all the stuff with Dine and stuff like that and like figure that stuff out for himself. So in, in like sort of the grander scheme here is, is that the live stream has the same setup. So the question that kind of gets brought up with like Sephiroth is, is that there, there's this system of defying destiny and I want to be in control of that. Now that's not a necessary, inherently a bad thing. What he wants with it is bad is he wants to literally become like the reality itself. Like he wants everything to be in his image his perspective, everything. Like he wants everything to to absorb everything and just have it be Sephiroth. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the planet is going at it from its own selfish desires as well, is is that it's looking out just for its best interest. So you have this Genovan Sephiroth, selfish desire to control things. Mm -hmm. And then you have the planet's Minerva and Genesis set up to be that sort of representation of an antagonistic role not necessarily the antagonist, but the representation of that structure. So you have the Sephiroth Genova structure, you have the Minerva and Genesis structure, and then you have the people who are fighting for the in-between, which is the party, which is that they're the whole point. Okay, this actually perfectly summarizes my point is the reason why the ending for remake is so good is, is that it's only establishing the characters wants for their desire to change things. Their desire to change things is so great that they will risk everything to do so. And that's what we need to know about the characters. So going forward, if anything like that ever comes up again, they're going to want to change it. So that's been very well established. So that perfectly establishes them as the middle person, the people wanting to see both of these sides and confront them if they need to. Um, And as far as Roach is concerned, I only brought him up as like, sort of like if you didn't want Genesis as that role, but he might better suit the idea of cell degradation that like uh, President Shinra brings up Mm. is that he would be a really good way to express that like through the story he's chasing you or something like that. And like each time you see like, him like not himself anymore like see somebody who's so exuberant and like full of life like lose like that sort of that would be like the way to do that i just thought of that and i want to see it square i want to see see, like yelling at square in the back square i want to see it something tomorrow i've said he's in the office next to me (laughs) i've said it before and honestly like what i want to see the most like, I don't care if they, like, I mean, I care. But if they give me this, I won't, I wouldn't care if they changed everything. Like, they can make every character, they could change every character to, like, Gary Busey, and I would still play the game. Um, but, like, if they flesh out Red 13's story in oh, yeah. Cosmo Canyon, I want to see 
more of Seto and, and, and Red 13's mother in that instance where they had to protect Cosmo Canyon, because I feel like that is such an important part of the game that just got mm-hmm. talked about once. And then, th- and then that was that, but I feel like, you know, just like a backstory between like Seto and Red 13's mother and like his, his battle with the, the Gi or GI or whatever tribe um, in that one part, like, I feel like that could be such a, like, even if it's just DLC, I'll pay 60 bucks for it. I just, I want to see that one part of the, of the whole story uh, out of everything in the whole story, just that, that one part fleshed out because that's what playing back in like in the year 2000, when I, when I played Final Fantasy seven, like that's, that's the one part, like besides Aerith's death, that was the one part that really got me. I was like, you know, like he, his, like his, the statue of his father cried. I was like, oh my God, that statue's crying. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, that's, I, that, that was insane. I was like, oh shit. God, can he's you still there. Him? He's just sitting there. It's <laughs> he's, super, yeah, he, literally. He, he's existing in non existence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's literally yeah, that, the that's... worst place to be ever. So many moments in Final Fantasy um, 7. Like that. And then you have to think of like, like Dime. You know mm-hmm. what a what a moment that's gonna yeah. be. Yep. God. I hope they insane. don't pass over like, these parts. I I hope right. they actually go into them. I hope they're not just like, what can we take out? Oh, we could take out Seto. We could take out Don because yeah. it's not you know super important. No, so I hope they flesh so, these out. So awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think well, okay. So as a as a way of like kind of meeting meeting here on that subject is one of the reasons why I'm also adamant about this is I, I go into it mainly with like Aerith's death in my most recent video. But the idea of the of that video is sort of to highlight like none of the characters have sort of become who they need to be in order for Final Fantasy VII to end the way that it does. So like Cloud loses to Sephiroth specifically as an example because he's not he's not Cloud yet. He's not even close to being like who he is at the end of the game which is why Sephiroth's just like, okay, like I'm just going to disarm you because you might be powerful enough, quote unquote, but you're not like the internal like journey hasn't happened yet. So that's Mm -hmm. there to say like none of these characters on their own can kind of stand on their own two feet about any of this. So, and that's, that's where this idea of like power friendship. And I hate that. And it's the reason why I use it so much in my video kingdom hearts, right. Power friendship or like (laughs) Avengers, like assemble, like it's Mm. so like this idea that these people together can kind of hide behind the, this group and like move forward and thinking that they don't have to confront anything was such a fascinating idea to me. It's like, this isn't actually making them stronger. Barrett telling Tifa that she needs to hold on to hate isn't making her individually stronger. It's just pushing her forward, but not actually resolving anything. So there's all of these like character moments where you're just, these characters aren't there yet. So the thing that works so well about the structure of Remake in regards to like moments with Seto and like Nanaki is, is that these all play into these characters. And this is the entire structure of Final Fantasy VII is separate, separate stories, individual arcs, individual characters coming into their own mm-hmm. in order to actually tell the story of a group of heroes, right? 
who actually accomplished something. We get to know these people. We get to see how they grow and come together. Like them fighting a harbinger at the end of the game doesn't say anything in terms of volumes of how these characters go through what they do. So to defeat that well purpose doesn't make any sense. Well said, man. Yeah, so it's... Absolutely. That's sort of... So we have to see that. We have to see Nanaki. We have to see... We have to see Denzel. Like we have to see these, not Denzel, I'm sorry. <laughs> I start sneaking in like, we have to see Genesis. Like just all of like the stuff that you did aren't signed up for. That'd be amazing. Um, the idea of like seeing Dine, it's like all of these things need to happen for our characters in order for any of this to hit properly. So, and, but under the context of looking at it through, how does this play into them actually coming into contact with what they ultimately want to do so the ending might be different the ending of remake might be different but the journey of these characters is always going to be just about character arcs it's going to be about the character development it needs to do that and otherwise and the thing that makes me feel so strongly about this is that remake focuses so much on just the characters like for a majority of the game, their banter, like them speaking to one another, like these moments do not like communicate a lack of understanding of character. It means that they think that that's the most important element of the game. Otherwise we like, and let me just say, you owe me a pizza is probably like the dumbest line I've ever heard in any game, but it's, it's still like, there are like slip up moments. I'm not trying to paint this as like the master of master classes of writing, but there is a definite understanding of character mm -hmm. and to throw that all out the window after spending like the majority of the game focusing on that mm -hmm. just seems so silly to me. It's well said, man. Sorry. Well said again. No, that just, it just reaffirms that, you know, you have to, at least keep these moments, keep these pivotal moments in, in, in the next installments. Um, so with that said, I'd like to take fan questions. Anybody in the chat so have, have a question? Oh, wait, there, wait, go ahead, Benny. There, there was a question I saw somebody ask uh, much earlier, but Chad is moving uh, too fast for me I to love remember it, who this it is, was. Yeah, thank, no. you, thank you everyone for, for tuning in. This is um, really awesome. First stream yeah. and we have a, we have a, a good, uh, good chat going on so thank you guys so much for um for tuning into this first live stream i hope you've enjoyed it so far so uh, i saw somebody I talk uh ask about what actually defines a living planet um and so when i read that question the first thing i thought of was that the reason why that uh, i this this earth is called gaia right um in seven the reason why I think Gaia is a living planet is because it's referred to as a living planet and that humans are the disease or the infection. And when the earth feels threatened, it releases weapons as if the weapons were its immune system. Um, so that is why in the game, I feel like it is actually a living planet, something that defends itself because it really, when Sephiroth summons Meteor, it releases the weapons and the weapons are actually meant to destroy everything that is a threat to the actual planet. And then when the threat is, because I, I believe also that this isn't the first time the weapons were ever summoned by the planet. I believe they were summoned when mm. uh, Genova first uh, came, um, which might have something to do with why the Cetra were they, all dying they now. They operate 
exactly how you describe it, which is that it's like an antibody mm-hmm. like system, right? So like the antibodies don't necessarily have enough discernment to say what is the target of the infection. They will just target what they think is the enemy and then destroy it. So like that mm-hmm. could be like your immune system for like all we know. So like, for instance, the party <laughs> as an example, as like a comparison there is that, and they, they so they were created they were created the weapons by the planet during the conflict of genova and the cetra but the cetra or something something happened for the cetra to seal genova away which actually made the planet go okay like we didn't need to use the weapons we didn't bring them out yet but we started making them Mm -hmm. so instead of making them and putting them out we'll actually just put them away for a little bit so that's why you see them encased in ice in the northern Mm -hmm. crater is, is that the planet is keeping them for use later, um, which now in hindsight, thinking about that, they could have just gotten rid of the weapons thinking, oh, we don't need these and we'll just bring them back whenever. But they probably were like, we'll probably need these later. Like, let's just put well, these away. For- Genova's still here. So, um, <laughs> ever a crisis. It, it's interesting because oh this never God. really gets uh, touched on, but frozen Sephiroth and Ultima Weapon are actually in the same exact spot because where they find frozen Sephiroth, that's where you see Ultima Weapon's eyes open up inside of the ice. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't know what the connection is All there. in the same area. Yep, they were all all in the same area. That's where the live stream washed Sephiroth up, I believe. And that. so I don't know why they were all together in that way. I might, I might be mistaken. On well, this. the yeah, go ahead, sleep easy. You can probably explain it better. Probably even answer. I was, I was getting. Go ahead. <laughs> the idea is that after, so just to start the conversation off, is that Sephiroth, after jumping in the live stream, gets brought to that place, like specifically because he figures out that that place is what he thinks to be the promised land, is the northern crater which is also the same conclusion I think that Hojo comes to. So like, which is kind of important just because Sephiroth is like gaining the knowledge of the planet after falling into the live stream and his deduction from everything that he knows is that this is the place that's important. I need to be here. So he goes there. I don't know why specifically, I think the weapons gather there because maybe Sephiroth is there. Um, But the the idea is that yeah, the threat of the planet. And on, oddly enough, there's also a connection between uh, Minerva being in the northern crater as well, which I don't know if that's clear in any of my videos, but the place where you fight her is in the northern ca- crater area um, as a secret boss. Um, and that cave also has Emerald Weapon in the background as well, which is pretty interesting too. She, like Emerald Weapon is like encased in, in uh, mm-hmm. ice, but the ice is actually... I think also materia. So like they're all imprisoned in just materia. So Sephiroth is in a materia. Like it's all the same. Uh, Wait, didn't Hojo until the end denounce the existence of the promised land? It's it's just a deduction of where, so he makes that deduction based off of the fact that um, it's where like there's an abundance of Mako, which is sort of just like the scientific way of him deducing that like the promised land is just filled with Mako. Um, I think that that's how that goes. Um, I could be wrong. I need to. I need to it, restudy a lot of things. Ho, Hojo's Hojo's um, 
description of the promised land is like similar to before scientists agreed upon gravity it was just like magic type stuff like science was magic yeah. so to the cetera the promised land with all of its mako energy was like a promised land with all of this wellspring of magic and to scientists it's like okay that magic is actually science um there is a promised land but it's just like you know where you would find the most oil well just like being right held up exactly. there in the northern crater like so so you have um sephiroth has the genova cells in him right um so when he mm -hmm. falls into the live stream wouldn't it just be genova trying to re get the reunion uh pulling him towards her and that's why he gets washed up next next to her like so that's the weirdest thing is is that so and i i have literally had to like track these events because there is this argument of sephiroth genova who's controlling what is is that he takes the head to the, the the promised land but the reason why sephiroth needs the head at all is because the head is the point of reunion hmm. so sephiroth can't control it has no involvement with reunion he has no control over making people go where the meeting spot is always her head so hmm. he keeps it and uses both a combination of the life stream and genova to rebuild a body which is why he's in that uh materia and why half of his mm -hmm. body is missing because he disappears once hitting the live stream and takes both of the head and him to the promise quote unquote promised land which is the northern crater um that's the same oh. way as ac by the way for anybody wondering is is that it's the piece of genova's head that he's using genova to activate reunion and that just the same way that he does in og is is that he his will is over Genova, which commands her to incite the events of reunion, which is why um, he also real, has control over Genova. Real quick, I do want to give uh, uh, Vinny, I think Vinny referenced uh, Split Heart, your uh, question. Am I, I, th I think that was the question. I do want to give credit there. Um, and then when we go to uh, the next question, I mean, we can t we'll take more questions. This one seems to be kind of funny. Um, this one's from Gene, uh, says, this is for sleep easy. Please, oh, hold on. Please tell us about the moment you met Jack Quaid. It would be uh, great to know about no. your beautiful relationship with the son of Meg Ryan. <laughs> Meg Ryan. <laughs> the son of Meg Ryan. I met him. I met him uh, uh, in in my garage once, and that's that's it. And that's it. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah. He, that's that's he showed up and for anybody who doesn't up. know who that is uh look him up the lore is is there um <laughs> it's definitely final fantasy 7 related and i <laughs> totally encourage people to look into uh, uh, uh amazing work uh in the boys also a great series oh, yeah. so yes so so fantastic movie i don't know if you're just series. if you're not willing to share more but he just walked into your garage is that is it that's it he was friends with a friend okay. and he showed up and I, I'm not famous at the at this point uh, okay. or not not a, a working actor at this point and I, I just knew him through somebody else that's awesome that was nice. it <laughs> really cool really cool yeah, oh, I love God. the boys though uh, yeah, what a show the boys um, is amazing anybody he's, the main, he's the main right? character that's the guy yeah, yeah. It, fantastic it's, it's freaking awesome fantastic I, love, dude. I love that show 
Um, does anybody Super have good. questions for for Sleep Easy? We're gonna we're gonna take a a few more questions, and then we're gonna if you if you still have time, Sleep Easy. If you want to stick around, we'll do this mad mad theories game that we got going on. It's I like would, I would it's like mad libs. Whatever you got going, let's do it. Okay, we can do whatever. It's like it is mad libs, want. but with with theories. It's I'm <laughs> down with that. I, I love theories and I love math. So <laughs> awesome. Does anybody have questions? Sleep easy, um, and we'll we'll move on. Uh, so, uh, I guess while, while, while people are formulating okay. their questions, I I this isn't anything we have to like expand upon or or whatever. But when whenever I think of Genova as like you know a, an invading alien species, I one one time I had a thought. I was like, what if she was like the runt of the litter, and there's like she was just the scout, and then there's just this invasion force of Genovas coming to the planet oh jeez <laughs> like, from mass effect the yeah. reapers are coming that basically awful oh my god so so awful for the planet it's like oh yeah there are 20 more of these things out there and they're all heading to the reapers from mass siblings <laughs> yeah part two ends with like a bunch just of genovas seen. approaching the the approaching Gaia, just like right. mass effect the- <laughs> they all have eyeballs for nipples and everything oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's it which by the way i'm just gone to- totally removed it's all gone from a remake which is you know mm. other than that very faithful to the original design which is pretty mm. interesting so mm. uh yeah. i definitely think that some time devourer stuff would be really weird uh sorry i keep saying time devourer but <laughs> yeah uh lavos lavos spawn i guess is what i was thinking of uh from chrono trigger but just a bunch of babies and you're just like well this is a really great situation to be in (laughs) (laughs) all right here we go we're gonna uh it doesn't look like we're it looks like we're good to move on we're gonna go to the the mad theories uh segment of this uh of this show oh actually i do want to go back all the way to the beginning of the show yeah when when sleep easy said or i guess i i referenced sleep easy's video about the eight pillars of uh etc and then the eight reactors um obviously there's more than eight you know i mean there's nine uh but Mm -hmm. i think what what sleep easy was showing was the eight pillars like on the surface like the iconic ring of midgar yeah you see the eight and then like in the cetra image there's eight pillars who knows maybe there's a secret ninth one below in the cetra we don't well in (laughs) in the uh in the capital in the center of where midgar is uh technically in the cetra you know i guess capital you can say it just for lack of a better term we zoom in and there is just a giant pillar of live stream coming out of the middle so it's it's a one for one there you go there you go okay come at me with this nine. don't talk to me about reactor zero clark i'm calling you out um I d- actually do have a question here, actually, really quickly, I will answer it. Uh, since nothing shall forestall my return is technically a promise, oh God, uh, does that mean that the morrow cannot be barren of promises by definition? He's referencing Loveless. If so, does this create a bootstrap paradox? Is this where the whispers come from? You know what? Probably. You know what? Sure. <laughs> no further explanation. You know what? Yeah, sure. With thinking like that, anything is possible. Oh my god! Thank you for the question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for baby. Baby seal sent that in. Thank baby you seal. <laughs> if I would have had to guess, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, 
All right, so we're going to go on to the mad theory. So now this is going to be like mad libs where I'm going to ask you for uh, one or two words to give me. Uh, and they're going to be Final Fantasy VII related or, or unless specified otherwise. Um, so <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to actually fill in the blank here. And then I'm going to read this theory off to you and you have to back it up. You have to make it, you have to confidently back it up. You have to say this obviously is true. Okay. Okay, here we go. I can lie through my teeth. Yep, you got it. Oh, wait, uh, give, me, give me one second. I have to really quickly. One second, guys. Hold. Absolutely, man. All right, so uh, Vinny, what yes. do you think of the conversation show so far? guys? And, and everybody in the chat, you guys you guys digging this? Thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in to um, the very first live stream. I really appreciate it um yeah so if you if you dropped a follow i'm sorry i'm in obs I, I i haven't gotten to that point yet i'm not on that level where i have like the cool pop-ups and says yeah you leveled up or something not there yet i'm not sure how to do it but thank you so much um if you followed along to the twitch channel thank you if you um if you caught this episode in the midway through and you want to get the whole thing it will be uploaded to youtube so that's youtube.com slash final fan tv um so yeah thank you so much this has been a fantastic experience. I love hearing that you're doing great. This is awesome. Thank you guys so much. That really means a lot. Um, and this is really, I love it. I love the atmosphere of this. I love seeing the chat going on. You guys are talking amongst yourselves. It's really cool. And um, chemistry is great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to keep keep doing this live stream. Yeah. Or this um, live streaming thing every Saturday. The, the only question I have for chat uh, is because of the segment that I'll be doing um, I haven't done a challenge run for every single Final Fantasy. There are some where I don't know exactly how to make a challenge run for them. And I, I have, I've done many for seven. I've done pretty much all of them for 10, uh, five, six. Um, I haven't done eight. I did the white mage only Final Fantasy one run. If there are any challenge runs, no matter how easy or hard you guys would like to see in a segment, just let let us know uh, so I can see how to go about doing it. Um, yeah, hopefully is, they're uh, not impossible. <laughs> I, I've given Vinny the name of Limit Breaker because he breaks the limits oh. <laughs> of Final Fantasy. That's right. Um, like you heard earlier in the show where you did a one mage run. One I would watch the hell run. out of any challenge. Yeah, it, that sounds the, awesome. Nice. So the thing about a solo white mage run in final fantasy one is it is extremely difficult and tedious <laughs> and probably not the most fun thing to watch <laughs> me do <laughs> right. because some of the boss battles are like yeah some of the boss battles are uh, like maybe 45 minutes to an hour long the because in the field <laughs> well because it's like i everything happens so fast there it's not it's not on like a wait time battle so sometimes i preemptively preemptively heal myself <laughs> to make sure that i don't die because the white mage um you know has very little Fragile. attack power so it, it's just it's a lot of me like preemptively healing and then trying to like manipulate the game's code so that i can attack 36 times before the enemy gets to attack once <laughs> so you got um ours uh ours amina amina oh my god why can't i speak i i words professional here on the podcast um so <laughs> Ars Omna. Omni. It happens. I vaguely recall reading about several interesting challenge runs involving 13 or uh, 12's Gambit system, but that mm -hmm. was years ago. Uh, I don't remember the context of them now, so maybe we can look into that. Um, and then 
Yep. Uh, yeah, okay, I, I could I could probably look into that and get the details for that. But Thank like, you, I've done Final Fantasy X. Yeah, that's a nice shirt. The guy Fieri Sephiroth. <laughs> Baby C. Oh, there you go. That's for you. That's right. But for <laughs> Final Fantasy X, I've done the no sphere grid, no summoning. I, I did that one. That was difficult. Um, and then uh, Final Fantasy Seven. I did, I call it the soldier first class. I don't think it actually has a name, but I did the soldier first class challenge where I got cloud to level uh, 99 before fighting the scorpion tank boss. And that took about 700 No hours. way did you do that. Yeah, it took about you, 700 yeah. Wait, hours. You, you on trained my... before the boss? Yeah. That's um, insane. Back, Wait, that's like, back, I didn't know, I only know of like two people who have tried to do that. And you're saying that you've you've literally grinded the first section of the game? Yeah, but it took me an That's entire insane. summer on my PlayStation One. I didn't use the, I I didn't. That was before the times three speed and all that stuff. Um, it oh it took God. me an entire summer, about seven hundred hours of <laughs> of just grinding. I, I literally was debating to myself, like I think not even a week ago. I was like, should I do that? I was like, no. Like I like I I'm lore crazy, but I don't know if I could actually sit through that. You're a champion. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, so that, um, people should look into that into that thing because that just to see how much dedication dedication that has to be is insane. It's insane. Yeah. You look it up right now. I don't know what it's called, but that's 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 a mark. <laughs> You're champions. <sir. laughs> that's a one percent thing. <laughs> um, all right, sleep easy. We need a character from from uh, Final Fantasy Seven from uh, the Bugenhagen. original Final Fantasy Seven. Oh, Bugenhagen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, and then a moment from the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, uh, Midgar Zolom being impaled. I know that we're talking about that okay. too. Midgar Zolom being oh, impaled. All, All right. right. So your theory that you you confidently know about, and this is going to be your next theory video. Uh, but we'll just go ahead and have it exclusive here on Final Fan TV. Um, what if? Bugenhagen is from the future and goes back in time to prevent the Midgar Zalem from being impaled. He's from PETA. So what if? Yeah, what if? What if? Okay, well, yeah, he's from PETA. So uh, <laughs> obviously the Bugenhagen uh, is is a study studier of the study of planet life and has a very, uh, very clear idea of the functions of the planet destiny and uh, how those things could be prevented. But from what we know of the end of OG, uh, he starts to change his mind a little bit about that. And then also in on the way to a smile seems to want uh, that sort of journey for Nanaki as well. So, uh, but he, as we know from on the way to a smile uh, dies and goes into the live stream. So maybe for, I don't know, for people who are so subscribed to the Aerith dies and returns theory, maybe we should take a look, look at that Midgard Zalem scene again and mm-hmm. uh, see why why that is the obviously the most pivotal, <laughs> pivotal moment of the original part of the series and why Bugenhagen used his power as an authority on the Cetra and the live stream. Uh, to go back Absolutely. and prevent this key moment. Because look, like if the Midgard Zolem doesn't get impaled, uh, the party doesn't actually make it through. That's my interpretation of events is, is that 
if this if the snake isn't killed then how does the party continue forward can you answer Honestly, me that question how does wow. the party get through wow no i mean that's so i hope wow. i uh, yeah i hope that means Bugenhagen, that, that means Bugenhagen stopped sephiroth successfully because sephiroth wouldn't be able to do pretty it pretty much so he, he did just went back in time and and did it himself. Wow. Bugen, he's literally has the nothing hero of the story. Him. I'm okay with that. It's not I Genesis. He agree. is literally the most important part of the Wow. I'm just, I'm blown away. I love how Tune you backed in it up for with, the uh, hour long, the hour long <laughs> lore video describing exactly how this goes down. I, this is a summary. The Zolom skip. Yes, the Zolom skip. Which is a meta moment. Wow. I can it's see a meta moment now. I see it. The, the text going diagonally down. The Zolom skip. All right, so we have uh, Egan and Zalem. I need a, <laughs> that's a good one. I got uh, yeah an adjective. Title. An adjective. We got one more. We got another theory for you. An adjective for you. Just something that just describes something. Oh, is it all just me? Yeah. It's all Am you. I just filling it in? I mean, you're the Lord Master here. You oh, obviously what? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to hear your guys' theory. I could, I could, that's right, Lord Master. Um, I mean, I, I completely support uh, your okay. theory on that one. I mean, you backed it up with On the Way to the Smile book. You, you, I mean, you really supported the decision. I mean, okay, the great. Theory, it's well done. Pretty. Yeah. Take that, Pr Maximilian dude. <laughs> Maximilian dude, oh shit. He inspired the first video. Take he that. He inspired the first one. He's in Take the credits that. for it. Bugenhagen. Yeah. Man. The man. That guy. The real Bugenhagen. <laughs> the real source of this lore. Travesty. This um okay so if i um mm -hmm. okay so enchanting is that does Not that sure. work is yeah, that word works. that i can sure. use and then uh one more that's, that's one a more word adjective. uh okay um uh bitter okay <laughs> wow this is actually i mean I it love worked out great now you love the color. You're obsessed that with the colors, good. yellow and purple. Now they contrast sure. them. They contrast each other throughout the entire Final Fantasy VII franchise. Uh, yellow being represented, representative of enchanting, and purple being bitter. So, does that make sense? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> yeah, ye yellow is enchanting, and purple is bitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I believe. It I mean, just if you guys matches up explains itself uh yeah so definitely enchanting i mean Aerith, enchanting and mm -hmm. bitter definitely genova totally one for one the only <laughs> the only connection that could be made to that it's a taste it's a taste thing gene says enchanting is a so, remake I mean, of enchanted so there you go they're perfect <laughs> All right, I got you one. are doing a better job explaining this for me than <laughs> than I am making the argument. I got, <laughs> like I got another look. Split you heart, you got it. Yeah, actually, yellow would be better because lemons. So that's what split oh, heart says. Right. Yeah, uh, debunked completely. I'm so really, sorry. Guys. Honestly, that makes a lot of sense. This what this is all have been purple all been building up to, all of the videos. You just had your, you just had the theory mixed up, bro. Like you were on the right track. It's just the flip flop. Purple is enchanting. Yellow that's is right. Better. Yeah, that's right. So I need a. Uh, we'll get this one from the chat. Let's let the chat do this one. It's going to be the first one. Uh, the first one that pops up. 
Uh, Final Fantasy X character. First one that pops oh, up. Oh, good. Be... Final Fantasy X. I love that game. Yeah, you're absolutely... You game. said earlier in the show how knowledgeable you are of Final Fantasy X. So we got Riku. Riku. Uh, that Vinny's already... Vinny are Vinny already getting excited. Favorite character. I can feel. I'm getting. Woo. She's Vinny the only reason I can do challenge runs in that game. And, the, <laughs> <laughs> and a, uh, I need a Final Fantasy VII threat. I need a threat to Final Fantasy VII. Okay. This is, hungry, you guys definitely have this on. <laughs> Shrek. Uh, weapon. Start stopping the weapons. Okay. okay, here we go. Um, it is said that Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy VII share a universe. But what people may not uh -huh. know is that Riku lived on through the greater life stream and then carried over to the world of Gaia in Final Fantasy VII, in which they will be reincarnated in part two to stop weapons. So Riku stopping weapons. Vinny, would you like to would you like to field this one? Because I mean I know you love I know you love Riku. Sure. I mean, uh, Riku was, you know, strong enough to destroy Penance in mm -hmm. Final Fantasy X. Um, and Penance was basically like a angelic super god created by the church in order to fight sin. So I believe that when Riku destroys Penance and mm -hmm. sin, um, you know, essentially Yu Yevin, when Riku destroys sin, Yu Yevin uses her as the shell armor. Um, and then basically becomes a summon. And then when the weapons get summoned, because Penance was basically like a weapon as well. It was just a artificial man-made weapon to fight sin, which was a natural disaster. So mm -hmm. when the weapons get summoned, it, it awakens Riku to have to, you know, the, the, the connection, like the Holy Trinity between Penance and Yu Yevin and Riku coming together to fight the weapons. Um, because at that point, the weapons are actually man's greatest threat for that moment and Riku rises above the ashes like a phoenix and destroys saves the party from the weapons God damn. wow part two wow i will say immediately my first impression of what you just said is, is that, and i was thinking this the entire time is like this is what people like this is how it sounds like to explain remake it's like <laughs> i <understood laughs> only so much of what you just said because i know nothing about 10 but i was like it, he could be say, and he is. He's making. He's making it up. Is that like this could all be truth to me? I'm like, I have no argument against what you just said because there's a, who is Riku? No idea. Sleepy, not like, a randomly yells at the Square Enix guy. That, he's he's making it up. <laughs> this is. Can somebody bring me like a spreadsheet or something for this character? <laughs> Everyone's left the office. I don't know where anybody is. <laughs> no more, you oh, man. This, right? Maverick loved it. Maverick loved it. <laughs> Splitheart says, I mean, obviously Riku destroys weapons. They are part machines. She's an Albed. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Oh god. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, All come right. on, man. Easy. <laughs> and Super then, easy. And Splitheart continues. And then her and Yuffie will join uh to form a girl group. Ninja girl oh. group. They, Which they obviously along. doesn't happen, right? That doesn't they happen. Along. Is that reflected in ten at all? Girl group? Uh, is that something? I, no, there's <laughs> no. nothing about ten has anything to do with like girl power or, um, like three yeah. girls getting together to sing concerts and Rock wear dress out. 
dresses and changing their clothes. That sounds like a really, really bad idea. It sounds like a bad <laughs> idea. So I'm glad it's not in there. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, if you, if you want to, if you want to take one more, we can do one more. I like the I like to sure. have the chat yeah. in there. That was that was pretty fun. Uh, let's give me a uh, uh, summon materia. Ooh, this is this the one I came Mad up Libs, with. Like this changes Mad Libs with with chat. Like you can have chat provide the answers. That's pretty cool. It kind of takes so, the uh, takes the 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 weight off the shoulder. Knights of the round was selected. Knights of the round. Knights of the round. Okay. Knights of the round, and then I need a uh, a noun from chat. Noun. A person noun. I, 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 this was my question. A person noun. Yeah, oh, more sense. oh, person noun. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, and you can read it too if you want. Okay. I'm okay, stop. You expose Nomura for <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Genesis. Okay. All right. All right. And so, then uh, uh, another, what, what do you got of any, is this a specific noun? Um, this, uh, also, uh, it, uh, an organic noun, something living noun. It doesn't have to be a person, but something that, that would not be inanimate. This is very animal seven. thing. So I believe this one will go to sleep easy because this is very Final Fantasy VII. Uh, of course, all living things a, a are important. A platypus. A Interesting. Platypus. <laughs> okay. Oh my god! Is it a bird? Is it a mammal? All of seven. So <laughs> fun fact. Is it a mammal? <laughs> fun fact, because I know stuff like this. So a, being that a platypus is still a mammal it does produce milk but it doesn't have milk that comes out of teats its milk is actually produced through its sweat glands which you can in fact turn into platypus cheese yo i believe I just we just had was... somebody jump into this conversation and then like they literally just jumped into platypus has uh <laughs> <laughs> we're doing uh yeah we're doing uh, hi series. okay so so all right so Glad you could join us the theory is what if Knights of the Round was the reincarnation of Genesis mm. and came here to save the party from a platypus? I mean, sleep easy. That's, I, I mean, wow. <laughs> honestly, like two thirds of that could, could, uh, couldn't be like too bad of a theory. <laughs> Until platypus How many of their, uh, the Knights of the Round are there? there yeah, are the platypus part there... is honestly the easiest part to say. I believe How many of the Knights of the Knight, Round are there? I think Knights of the Round hit 16 times for 150,000 damage or something like that. So I think there's 16 of them. Hold on, let me, let me check. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fuck. That's a boy 13. band right there. Like a super boy band, which Genesis would definitely fit really well with. And also <laughs> very good for platypuses. It's obviously those things into as, as one being familiar with one another, but also on the opposite ends of each other, even though they're both mammals. <laughs> um, uh, Maverick brings that, up a uh, great point. Maverick brings up a great point. The platypus is Sephiroth. Madness yeah, obviously. That's the, that's the full-fledged form of Sephiroth is the platypus, which is what he's going to inevitably turn into at the end of the game. Because so, Sephiroth has a yeah. wing, so he's a bird animal. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, exactly. see? Vinny gets it. Vinny doesn't even have to watch the videos, guys. Namura, Vinny has it. He's <laughs> fine. He's already got it all figured out. Um, yeah, so, and then Knights of the Round do, does an, an incredible amount of damage and save obviously will save the world together. Yeah, save <laughs> save the world from platypuses. 
boom done thank you maverick <laughs> and thank you everybody for boom, carrying me done. through that conversation about the mad libs thank you. <laughs> the platypus is, is i'm gonna make something into that in the video so i'm gonna make a little reference to that somewhere i've already decided so next video there'll be a final fan tv reference that only this audience will know so Cephapus. <laughs> yes Cephapus. Cephapus. That is literally the most adorable (laughs) villain name ever. I would sell that. As a plush toy. (laughs) All right, guys. Exactly. I can see the hair now. (laughs) How you guys doing, chat? You guys you guys having fun with this or do you wanna you wanna do one more and then we'll call it for uh we'll call it for sleep easy in this in this uh podcast. We're gonna do one more. Some of you devoted three hours of your time to this. I can't believe it. Yeah, so we've, we've had people. That's insane. Thank you guys so much for watching this one. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Um, so for the final one, it's a really short one. Just need one Final Fantasy VII character. Aerith. Oh, the, the fucking audience. Oh, wait. I mean, <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> that would be very interesting Plus. for you to uh, back this up. Cephapus. Sure. <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Yuffie. We have, uh, Yuffie. Yuffie. The first one. Yuffie? You guys want to go with Yuffie? All right. She's also my favorite seven character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no way. It's that group, man. The, the Riku, awesome. Yuffie band, man. Well, again, again, because Yuffie, it, it, it's not so much like she's a cool character and everything, but like I'm very technical with the games, and Yuffie's Doom of the Living hits like 15 times. And she can do max damage with her conformer, so she actually does the most damage in the entire game. So oh. I use her. That's as, okay. I did not know that. The strongest. Yeah. I, when I fight Emerald, I just go in with Yuffie, and then I have Yuffie use her uh, her limit break, uh, Doom of the Living, and then I skip the other two characters, and I have Yuffie use Mime on her. Uh, I put Mime counter, so when she gets hit, she does Doom of the Living nine times, and then just kills Emerald weapon and like. 45 so, seconds. I mean, I want to stick around and see these challenges actually like in, in play now because now I'm like, I'm learning a lot <laughs> about awesome. other Final Fantasy and seven. So I'm just like, I want to see this. I want to see this happen. Let's make this happen. That's awesome. Yeah, that was uh that was our um objective. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be, you know, Vinny's obviously as you can tell, he's very technical with these games. And uh it's it's great to have him on. And uh yeah, he, he can do these challenge runs, he knows a lot of the secrets a lot of those things so we'll be starting those let's plays um right here on twitch <clears throat> soon hopefully still in the planning stages so here's here's your final mad theory and i mean this is a good one because i, w- I want to hear it Genova mm-hmm. has Genova has actually been in control of yuffie the entire time this is easy this is actually a layup. This is a layup. <laughs> um, they, uh, the original concept for Yuffie was that she was actually a, a mercenary, um, a soldier mercenary, right? And the idea was is that she was going to have like a different attribute for each of the, um, like you could you could scale like one one particular stat to make her whatever you want. So if you wanted her to be like a tank or like a major healer, whatever it is. Like you could like get these posters around uh, the area and make her into whatever you wanted. So the idea is, is that because she is a soldier, like other soldiers, ha- she would have Genova cells in her. 
Oh. Um, which for, for me actually would be an interesting way to take Yuffie as a character um, in, in remake, since you are remaking it, like have the iconic Wu-Tai maybe being like her birthplace or whatever, mm. but having her be like an ex-soldier party member mercenary, kind of like what Roach would fill the, the shoes of maybe in remake as well, uh, would be the coolest thing ever. And uh, the lore is there. It's, it's present for her to be that. And then have her get killed because she's like gets possessed by Genova. I think that that's totally a possibility. Yeah. I mean, she obviously still just the like criteria, and it's not for it's not for Wu Tai. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's just because she's actually operating under Genova's influence, a hundred percent. Wow, what excellent theories there! I mean, that did happen. It, it did. It did. <laughs> ha- we backed it. Up. We backed these theories up. It could. All right. So these are obviously really good theories. You could, you, you know, please don't clip them. And <laughs> look what Final Fan TV is. Yeah, these we're, guys we're, don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> we're actually about to get a lot of Let's cease and desist emails Seth, from Square. Sepapus? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Every time we do these. The Murray's already books. knocking on my door right now. <laughs> Every time we do these Mad Libs, we're like, yeah, we're going to get cease and desist. Like we had, yeah. we had uh, John Bentley actually read his. Um, read his uh his, his big monologue and uh we changed that up real bad but the one where where vic chow read it in goro's voice from mortal kombat 10 mm-hmm. he read his uh just explaining the mm. the the ancients to uh young young earth <laughs> he read that in goro's voice <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so yeah this all just yeah. sounds like you've been at this kind of stuff for too long you guys are getting you guys have a stack of cease and desists that's what's going on <laughs> yeah yeah, but they all go to Daniel, so I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, wait, okay. Let me just check the chat before we close it out. Um, if you like, I have a couple nice ideas. Okay, so Split Heart <laughs> says, hey, Square Enix, contact me if you like. I have a couple nice ideas. I feel spiritually connected yeah, to you. By the way, all of your all of your stuff has been amazing, Split Heart. It's literally like I've been I've been getting it. It is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Baby and, uh, Seal says, in my head canon, uh, Yuffie eventually becomes a summon. So and, maybe Yuffie was the one that uh, is the reincarnation of Genesis or something. And uh, we have uh, yeah, something like that. Zombie yeah, Nug funny. spreading sugar says, we need more of these podcasts. It's like going to a Final Fantasy VII orchestra, orchestra show. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you for your kind words. That, that's yeah, a fantastic you. emote, too. <laughs> Jeez. I want yeah. that. Well, thank, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you, everyone in chat, uh, for you know joining along for this first ever podcast. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing these, and we'll be back every Saturday uh, with times. We'll ha- you have to stay tuned on Twitter, uh, where I'll make the announcements on Wednesdays. Um, also, I'll make the announcements uh, during the uh, community spotlight show that we just started up last week. Uh, at the end of the video of every every uh, episode there, you'll you'll have the announcement there of who's going to be the guest and what time it's going to start. It really depends on the guest and what's most convenient for them. So I cannot give a set time until Wednesday. Um, so, yep, just stay tuned for if you want the written announcement on Twitter. If you want the uh, video announcement, it's going to be in the community spotlight, about a five minute long video, uh, just highlighting the, the community and cool moments, uh, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for watching this episode, but uh, a huge thank you to Sleep Easy 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. I had a lot of fun. Um, it's super informative. I love your passion for the for the game. It really um, shines through with everything that you're saying here on the podcast and also in your videos. So if you are watching this podcast and you enjoyed us talking and you thought, wow, this dude really knows what he's talking about, um, I encourage you to go check out his YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the description. Um, also check out his uh check out all of his videos. The, the five part uh, structure, the structure of five playlist, amazing, insanely informative. And then his latest video, uh, which is extremely entertaining. It, it, it takes, a, um, takes a twist and tone and I love it. I love the personality shining through. It's really fun. Uh, and it's all at, the, at the same time maintaining that really informative uh, video. So thank you so much Sleep Easy for, for coming on Final Fan TV and talking to us. And uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an amazing, an amazing experience. And I love what you guys are doing for the community. And I just look forward to watching exactly where this goes because I'm I'm totally on board. And for those of you who haven't, who are followers of me, do the same thing for Final Fan TV. They're reaching out, they're doing a great thing for this Final Fantasy community. Be a part of it. And they're they're doing good work. Thank you for for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks Thank you for being here. Owen, I'm going to call you Owen because I feel like we became friends at the end of this podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, we did. Thanks, Owen. Yeah, we do. We're... Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Owen. That really means a lot. Uh, really means a lot to, for that shout out. Thank you. Uh, Vinny, thank you so much for joining along too, man. Of course. I, I, I always have a good time. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week on Final Podcast. You know what? I'm going to give it a cool little outro. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> oh, here we go. Thank you.